And good morning. It is a Tuesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn. He's Griffin. Prince Charles is here. Coming up on the program today, excited to meet Matt Shaw, Maryland baseball star. The Terps come to UMBC tonight. Appreciate them uh, traveling throughout the state of Maryland over the years. They're playing at UMBC, and Matt Shaw is having an unbelievable season. I mean, he's getting on base at like an over 460 clip, hitting something like 340, 350, something in that range. He is projected to go in the first round of the MLB draft, thought of as probably a top 20 player in this draft. Maybe he could be. I know the, the last thing the Orioles really need right now is another infield prospect, but... Never hurts to have more good baseball players. Maybe he could be in the mix for the birds. We'll talk to Matt Shaw a little bit later on in the program. Also, it's Tuesday, so our weekly conversation with Patrick Stevens today. And in a few minutes, we're going to catch up with um, Towson SID, AD, Athletic Director Steve Eigenbrot. They announced a new NIL collective, so we'll have him tell us about that here in a bit. That's coming up. We start today with a Lamar Meter update, and not a lot to say. Lamar Meter is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. Um, this one can be quick. The only thing that you can even kind of suggest is tied into Lamar is obviously the fact that the Aaron Rodgers deal got done yesterday. So that sort of outside scenario where what if that were to fall apart and the Jets would be sitting there desperate having gone all in, put all of their eggs in one basket, which as has been pointed out, we were actually talking about this on the radio show on Sunday, why wouldn't you put all of your eggs in one basket? Imagine the absurdity of trying to carry so many different baskets with all of your different eggs. It doesn't make sense. It's nonsense. Yes, you put all of your eggs in one basket so that you can carry all of your eggs together. What are we doing here? What is that? And you can keep account for all your eggs. Yes, exactly right. This is insanity. What are we what are we talking about? The point being that there was maybe some scenario that existed by which the Jets would, you know, Aaron Rodgers would wake up today and be like, nah, I changed my mind. I don't want to be there. And then at that point. Maybe the Jets would suddenly say, well, crap, we desperately need a quarterback. We feel like we've drafted well. We've got a good team around him. We need it. Hell, there's only one other guy available. Let's let's spin around and offer something crazy for Lamar Jackson. So the fact that that goes off the table does certainly – it doesn't move it a lot because I never thought it was likely. It always seemed like Aaron Rodgers was going to be the Jets' quarterback. But from – well, that moved. I don't know. That moved again. Did it move? So essentially, yeah, it moved. It was at. It was at ninety-two yesterday. Ninety-four is the number. So I don't know how we reflect. That's 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 about what I can do for ninety-four. Ninety-four percent is the number. uh, Adding in the fact that the Aaron Rodgers deal got done. Um, I think the Packers did pretty well on the Aaron Rodgers deal. The possibility they can get a first-round pick is remarkable. The fact they're swapping. You know, first-round picks this year is kind of irrelevant. It's like a move of two two picks, so who cares about that? They get a second-round pick for sure, and the possibility of adding a first-round pick next year as long as Aaron Rodgers actually plays this season, despite the fact that nobody has any idea how long Aaron Rodgers is going to end up playing in New York, how good he's going to be. I think the Packers did about as well as they could, given the circumstances and the fact that Aaron Rodgers was done there and they had, too, decided to move on to Jordan Love. Will it ultimately be the right decision? Who knows? Who knows? Does it justify their failures 
if if Jordan Love ends up being a quality quarterback, does it justify how they failed to put the right pieces around Aaron Rodgers in the late stages of his career? No, it doesn't do that. Nah. Nah, yet it it was laughable that this was a pick they ever made. Now, I get it. Their backs are kind of against the wall. They've got to know now whether or not Jordan Love is capable of playing in this league, and we don't know that. There's no way. I, I know there are people that sort of like, the people that love Jordan Love to begin with, no pun intended, will all sit back and say, well, I still really like the Packers because I like Jordan Love. But they they don't know. They're just telling you something. This is where I should be better at this because this is my business and like I should appreciate it. N- nobody has an effing clue whether Jordan Love is going to be good or not. No one does. Anyone trying to suggest that they know is talking out of their ass. And even if they're right, they were still talking out of their ass. But I get it. The Packers kind of have to find out because they did make this investment. And it was insane. And it's you can't change any of that now. But I do kind of understand. And if Aaron Rodgers isn't committing to you beyond you know, next year or whatever it was, then I get it. At some point, you've got to figure out whether or not your next guy can play quarterback. So we'll figure that out. And whether the Jets made the right decision, if I was a Jets fan, it was kind of stunning to me talking to like Mike Greenberg and uh, my old buddy Rami, who uh, used to work at the fan, that are the Jets fans that I know. And I don't even really know Mike Greenberg. We just happen to have him on the show. Like, I was blown away by the idea. And I think part of it, admittedly, was they just, they because it was in motion, they accepted it, w- it was happening. But if I was a Jets fan, I would honestly be furious that it was Aaron Rodgers and not Lamar Jackson. Like, why do this for someone that may or may not be playing more than another year's worth of football? Why tie yourself to... We're all in in one moment instead of trying to create an actual window for competition for five to seven years. Now, I get it. Tom Brady played much further than anybody expected him to play. Maybe there's some world where Aaron Rodgers still has a few more years in him. But to assume it, I think, is crazy. And when there was another option perhaps on the table, and I get it, part of the problem is that a lot of teams probably just didn't believe that there was any world in which Lamar Jackson was going to end up leaving Baltimore so it wasn't worth messing around with. But as a fan, I would want to have known that they explored that possibility before pivoting towards a short-term option. If I was a Jets fan, I would want to know that you absolutely you know, went as far as you could to get the answer on whether or not Lamar Jackson could be a possibility. And if you did, and you said, look, guys, they're not, they're not actually trading him. They're, he's their quarterback. He's not going anywhere. We tried. Then okay, all good. Backup plan, Aaron Rodgers. Get it. But I would want to know first that you tried the better option instead of just going with the short-term kind of Brett Favre part duh option that you ended up going with but not my concern obviously because i am not a new york jets fan that does seem like the likely uh you know scenario of what played out i mean joe douglas obviously 
has still has strong relationships. You have no idea. With the you say it sounds like you have no clue if that played out or not. You have no I idea. Mean, you're now talking out of your ass. You're just saying something. I mean, it's very likely that. They, no, it's they, possible. They you have you say like to say something is likely. You have to know something. You have no idea what they did. Well, the fact that Lamar's There's, not not traded anywhere. I mean, that's. Right, it's possible, yes. Right, it's fine. totally possible. 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 But you have no clue if the Jets didn't always just say Aaron Rodgers was our guy and never bother to go through the process or not. I, I'm not saying it's impossible. It's, of course, not impossible. But you have no idea. None of us do because there's been no reporting about it. There's only ever been a link between the Jets and Aaron Rodgers. And, look, he's their guy, and that's the way it's going to go. And I don't, again, I don't care. I don't care because it's irrelevant to me. I don't want Lamar Jackson to be playing somewhere else. It seems like even w- what was communicated to the Jets players were it was Aaron Rodgers. Like, remember the video with Sauce Gardner and the Cheesehead? Oh, like, yeah. It was it seemed like it was communicated possible. But that doesn't like, mean that it, to, to, to Griffin's point, if he would spe- st- speak it more eloquently or more appropriately, it could be that that's in part because Joe Douglas called Eric DaCosta and said, dude, is there any chance? And Eric DaCosta said, no, said no there's no, no chance. No. He's going to be the guy. Okay, well, then we don't need to continue this conversation. It's possible. 100% it's possible. I would want to know that as a Jets fan. I would want someone to tell me, hey, please tell me this wasn't your first thought. Please tell me you at least attempted to come up with a better plan, a better solution for creating a window and didn't just immediately pivot to... 40-year-old quarterback. Yeah, because for all the criticism Mark gets about his health, it wasn't like Aaron Rodgers didn't limp into the end of the season. It's not like he isn't 40 years old. Which, again, I get it. Tom Brady has messed with us and what it is that we think that a 40-year-old quarterback is capable of doing. And I also understand that we're only two years removed from Aaron Rodgers being the MVP of the league. However, a year ago, we all... By the way, the, 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 the analytic folks will tell you Aaron Rodgers was awful last season. Those of us that watch would be like, no, we thought he played pretty well. And also, you know, this tends to be what happens when you get rid of wide receivers and just say, go try to win with this. It's amazing how it works that every time you want to believe, other than obviously Patrick Mahomes, that any quarterback can just make wide receivers better. It's remarkable how when you get rid of the good ones and don't have good ones on the field, it's never the case for anyone other than one guy in the history of football. And that's untrue. Tom Brady had one season where he had no wide receivers either. But that's two. Two seasons in football history. Two. Total. That's what you got. Maybe I'm drawing a parallel too far, but don't Rodgers' MVPs kind of feel like Jokic's MVPs right now? No. Where it's like, no. We're just giving them because we know they had the best season. No, not at all. Because you absolutely believe that the Rodgers teams could win the Super Bowl. 1,000%. And he's actually done it like on top of that whereas Jokic you have no thought that it's possible that he could win a title both like every Roger this might be your Packers like hate coming out as a Vikings fan but everybody on the planet believed that those Packers teams could win I just feel like that Super Bowl is an afterthought at this point an afterthought it happened over a decade yes I understand that it still happened you don't make it go away you don't get to say like Aaron Rodgers can't win a Super Bowl or never won a Super Bowl or something like that. I didn't like say that. never won a Super Bowl. But I don't understand what your point is. The Super Bowl is an afterthought. What, what does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? 
Now you're like Griffin, just making things up. What the hell is that supposed to mean? It's an afterthought. Hey, it was against the Steelers. Do you, do you right, take yes, it the, as a win as well? Yeah, no, you sure as hell do. I was, I've never been a bigger Packers fan in my life than that day. Jesus. Uh, so I was a Fair huge enough. Cardinals fan, but they let me down. Uh, um, I, I, don't, I still don't understand what it is that you're trying to say. I don't get the point. Um, you just don't just like the Packers. For, the, for that, that run is? where he won back-to-back MVPs, it was kind of like, it felt like everybody knew. You could say, like, they were favorites to win the Super Bowl, but everyone knew, like, it's going to come crashing at some point. And it did. I don't understand what you mean by that. What are you saying? You expected them to choke is kind of... Not only me. What oh, do you okay. mean not other I mean, Vikings fans did? No. Dude, you when are it, making when, something when up. When it came to play the they, 49ers twice... 49ers everyone, do like eliminating the Packers. Yeah. But that's, that's a new... It's not like a thing that's existed for 15 years. That's a thing that happened recently. Yeah. You are creating a world the in which there was I compared an ex- it to happened recently. As they well. were wild favorites to beat the 49ers. Nobody expected the 49ers to beat them. You are making something up. You might have thought it was going to happen again, but you've got to recognize your bias. You don't like the Packers, and that's fine. I'm not mad at you for that. I know what it's like to be a fan. I don't like the Steelers, but I still knew that the Steelers were threats to win a Super Bowl most years when Ben Roethlisberger was the quarterback because Ben Roethlisberger was the quarterback. I can't just make something up or rewrite history because I don't like them. I don't like Ben Roethlisberger at all. I think he's a scumbag, but he's also one of the five best quarterbacks of an era. Like, that's the way that it works. And Aaron Rodgers, until, let's be frank about it, until Patrick Mahomes came along, Aaron Rodgers was the most talented quarterback we had ever seen in football history. Aaron Rodgers had a greater skill set than any quarterback we had ever seen play the game until Patrick Mahomes came along. And... That doesn't mean he was the second greatest quarterback of all time. I get into this debate about Jerry Rice and Calvin Johnson, right? Like, Jerry Rice is the greatest wide receiver of all time, but Calvin Johnson was a more talented wide receiver. Calvin Johnson had more ability to do things than even Jerry Rice did. Aaron Rodgers, from a talent standpoint, was the second most talented, I guess is, the second most talented quarterback that's ever played the game. His skill set, his ability to move, his ability to make every throw, all of those things, the only reason why he's not is because Patrick Mahomes came along and, you know, does things that only aliens can do. Um, all that said, I don't know what it's going to be for Aaron Rodgers in New York. I have no clue. I, I have zero idea how this is going to play out. I just think if I was a Jets fan... You just made a great sales pitch to Jets fans. If yeah. No, but I don't know that that's Aaron Rodgers anymore. This is a 40-year-old yeah, dude. You just compared it to Brett Favre, so, I mean, who knows? Maybe he's in purple and gold in two years. Uh, so. Maybe that's the case. Maybe that's the way that he's, he's – they're going to need a quarterback you, next year. Are you going to be happy? Yeah. Or are you gonna be, they're going to need a quarterback this year. All talk falling. That's, that's helping us. Stop. So, you know. Stop. That's, he's not falling to the Vikings. Yeah. Nonsense. Well, we're looking to trade up. but uh, I did I did because all the numbers are moving. I, got, I bit like an idiot, like a – like a mark last night when all of the betting lines were moving on Will Levis to go number one overall. I was like, all right, I'll throw a couple bucks in while we're at it. Like a huge stupid head. Just lighting my money on fire. There's no chance. Somebody told me this all started by a Reddit post. 
that some guy on Reddit was like, just so you know, Will Levis is telling all of his friends that he's going to Carolina, and all of a sudden the markets go crashing in response. And oh, GC, stupid Mark over here is probably like, dove climbing. I have no idea who it was. This. All right. Lamar Meter Update was brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. Let me take a minute this morning to catch up with Steve Eigenbrot, the athletic director at Towson. They made an announcement last week about a new NIL collective at Towson. I want him to explain it to us. It's the GO, or G-O-H. I assume we're going with GO, and I'll let him tell me now, right now, because he's with us here on GCR. Steve Eigenbrot, good morning, man. How are you? I'm wonderful. I'm wonderful. Appreciate y'all having me on. All right, so it's the Go Collective, correct? I have that part right. Yeah, you got a little little nod to the uh, Baltimoreese there. Yeah, I appreciate it. The Go Collective. I am good with it. Um, walk me through this, right? Because I never understand exactly how athletic departments and universities are or are not allowed to be involved with specific collectives. I still don't understand all of the rules, and maybe that's because all of the rules aren't meant to be understood. But can you walk me through what the actual relationship is between the collective and Towson University? Yeah, it's, it's complicated, and I think the rules are ever-changing. So the, the fact that, that you're a little bit behind the curve there, I think there's a lot of people that are in that camp. Um, you know, we, we made this step really in a large part to, to be more competitive in the, in the space, and uh, there are some entities out there uh, student athlete NIL, SANIL is the entity that's behind the, the Go Collective. And they run it for you know, probably about a dozen Division One schools. So, I mean, there's a separate third-party uh, entity. Really, at the end of the day, to get something like this off the ground, you either need a really, really motivated individual that's basically going to run a, run a side business, if you will, um, because it's an, it's an entity that has to file taxes and you know, it's, it's like running a business. Um, or you can, you know, look at one of these companies again kind of coming alongside you it's not like we have a contract with them but because they exist and because they're going to help our student athletes here at Towson I think really at the end of the day individuals that maybe don't run businesses that want to get involved in NIL want to support our student athletes have a better path toward doing that and I think that's kind of the value proposition that they that they deliver so how did well, I guess did that I, help at all? <laughs> yeah, it does help. It does. I, and I mean that, Steve. I guess the next step is so how much can you be involved like as an athletic director it, besides just saying, hey, this exists, we're asking you to support it. I, I'm guessing the way that you're saying it is like you don't have governance of it, though. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Exactly. And okay. that's, that's that's an odd place to be. But right. um, again, it, the way that our student athletes may or may not, you know, interact with that entity as it moves forward. It, it, it's an option that's there for them, yep. and that's why, you know, we, we support it. But, yeah, we don't we don't have governance. So I don't know how much money is in it. Uh, you know, probably not supposed to know either. So it's uh, you know, that's where they draw a line in the sand. But I get the importance is this is the world in which we live in now when it comes to college athletics, and because you want to keep, you know, the players that are interested in Towson, you know this is the marketplace, and that as much as you want to sell – Hey, we've got a great school. We got great coaches. We got a great atmosphere. All of those things. There's going to be athletes in almost any sport. They're going to turn around and say, "Right, but how can I profit off of this?" And so you've got to be swimming in these waters. Correct. Correct. Yeah, I, th- I think a part of you know an, an above board recruiting pitch. Uh, Towson is proving the ways that we're supporting our student athletes and making NIL relevant for them. Uh, obviously, this isn't 
you know, SEC football, but we can still do our part as an athletic department to make sure that our student athletes have a chance to be you know, relevant in that space. And a lot of it comes down to them, but are we you know, helping them develop their, their brands and abilities to, to monetize themselves? And yeah, I think a lot of coaches out there in America are saying, Hey, our institution's active in, in NIL. We've got kids on our campus that are making 10, 15, 20, hundred thousand dollars. Right. I mean, that, that's allegedly where the line is supposed to be drawn. I think uh, many people have probably crossed that line over the uh, pantheon yeah, of, sure. of years trying to get used to this but yeah towson athletic director steve eigenbrot is with us again they announced last week the go collective that they have or they i'm about to say that you have launched but again i should probably use more creative wording in this that has been launched in relation to towson athletics he's with us there you go you're getting it it's it is it is tricky to define it um steve i'm wondering and and i'm not trying to speak to to pete specifically but you did go through the process of, of hiring a football coach recently. And I, I just wonder if in conversations you had with prospective candidates, this was a question that came up. Like, hey, what is the school doing to try to be competitive in the NIL market? Yeah, it, it was. I, I'll be honest with you. I, I don't think it really drove a ton of my conversation with, uh, with Coach Shinnick. Um, I, I think that we'll probably get there at the FCS football level. I, I'm sure there's institutions that um, are, are probably out there talking about the great things that they're doing in this space for their for their student athletes. Um, you know, right now because of I think the landscape of the FCS versus you know, some of the other sports that we sponsor. Certainly, the basketballs. This is, is the thing that, that's yeah. out there, and yeah. you know, the basketball portal uh, alive and well right now. So uh, it, it, it's definitely. I think becoming relevant, and if you look, you know, kind of back the last couple of years, coming from a school like South Carolina, you know, I felt like every conversation was about NIL. It, it's it's getting to this level. It's certainly relevant, and that's why we did this. But the volumes turned down a little bit on that conversation, I think. Okay, and I understand that like the market's going to be different for everybody, right? Like there might be, you know, it, it's funny because I remember when this first launched, there was this conversation about how. You know, this could impact a locker room. You have one guy making a bunch of money and then a bunch of other guys who don't. I just sort of wonder if at some point, like, it, even if it's not, hey, there's direct money that somebody is just willing to hand you, it's something as simple as, hey, we need to teach you about how you can go about, even at a, you know, a lower level, to your point, even at the FCS level, if there's someone playing football, we need to try to give you as much information you can or we can about how you can brand yourself. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's, I, I think it's invaluable, and I think it's the way of the world, right? Like, I think this is just the way that things are going to work moving forward. What do what do people need to know? What do Towson supporters need to know about how they can get involved with the collective? What What is the message that you're trying to get out there, Steve Eigenbrot? Well, it, it, it's a little bit of a complicated one, which is not shocking considering the, the introduction of this conversation right. that you and I had. Um, you know, we, we still need to pay the bills and, and supporting NIL and supporting our student athletes. Um, if, if someone has that on their heart, that's something that they want to do. They have like the system over the pantheon of time that, you know, student athletes didn't like the amateur model or whatever. Now, now they have an opportunity to step in and make a difference. Uh, that being said, the video that we launched talked a lot about um, Tiger Athletic Fund. You know, our, our big uh, giving day here at Towson is, is tomorrow, actually. Um, and we wanted our donors to make sure they understood that those those dollars are super super important to us too. We got to continue being competitive, and we're not going to um, unless they they're able to you know continue making their donations and supporting our student athletes in kind of the traditional manners. Uh, but that being said, you know we'll put another option on the table, and uh, for those that are willing, able, and and find value in it, uh, we, I think we have a great 
cadre of student athletes, uh, whatever sport it is that they want to support um, through NIL, whether it's you know giving a gift directly to a, a specific program uh, or to a specific student athlete, you know we have now have an opportunity for them to be uh, you know engaged in that opportunity. So we're excited about it. But again, I think that you know the dollars that we raise to pay the bills around here still remain you know, very very important. I think we're well positioned in the CAA, uh, but that's only going to only going to continue as long as our, our supporters step up. No, I, I certainly understand it. It's a it's sort of a fine line, right? Like you need you need the money to have the program going, but you know, it, it wouldn't hurt to also have money coming in that to, to help with, with getting even more high quality student athletes to come to Towson University. It's a there is a lot happening there. I certainly understand that, Steve. Uh, what else is going on? Yeah, what else is going on in the world of Towson sports right now? Oh well, we're excited about you know, wrapping up a. Some, some things that are happening here in the spring with our, our lacrosse is our, our women's team played a really really good Stony Brook team over the weekend yep. and uh, and took them to a to a close finish there and CAA tournament's going to be here at TU for women's lacrosse so so we're excited about that um, you know obviously spring football practice just just wrapping up and uh, you know going through that transition period we're excited about the about the fall uh, for a lot of reasons um, we're definitely tackling some scheduling so trying to make sure that our men's and women's basketball programs have some exciting teams to come here to uh to cq next year we had the uh, the back end of a home and home with uh with umass which is exciting for for us i think it's one of the you know, more marquee opponents that we've had come down to uh towson and you know umass is coached by my former colleague frank martin who's always yep. a good time and yep. hopefully uh you know, the uh, towson faithful come out and watch him uh, when they come down we're gonna play that game in uh, december i believe so yeah no no shortage of, of opportunities to continue making making a difference here to you i love that i love that the go collective it is launched is there is there a specific website that we can direct people to or is there just search go goh collective gocollective.com it's about as easy as it gets gocollective.com again goh if you want to find out more steve eigenbrot i appreciate you giving me a little bit more of an explanation about it it's still going to be confusing i understand that but i appreciate you giving <laughs> I'll, me a i'll give it I'll give it my best try anytime you'll have me. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. We really appreciate it. Awesome. Appreciate you. Have a great day. It's uh, Steve Eigenbrot, Athletic Director at Towson University. Again, the Go Go Collective, gocollective.com. As, uh, I don't know, maybe if you put like five million bucks in there, you can get Hunter Dickinson. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> Come to Towson. Yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know what it's going to cost, but why not? Give it a shot, right? Like, hey. Got a line around. That line in itself is just should just tell you where college sports have gone. I don't know what it's going to cost. I like mean, twenty. Let's be fair. Ten, about even that. ten years ago, like. Well, yeah. I mean, it would have been beyond the pale. Violation. Violation. This, violation. This, yeah. this is where we are now. I mean, now, now Towson's at a point there. They don't have just like uh, Maryland has Juju Reese. They got Charles Thompson. They don't have room for Hunter Dickinson. Right. So. That's a good point. It wouldn't be a good fit basketball <laughs> wise. Can't bring in Hunter Dickinson. All right, um, the Orioles win last night as they rally from down 4-0. That is the fun thing about the Birds is that even when they felt it, it's weird how they struggled to score against the Tigers this weekend. But yet, you know, even when they fell behind 4-0 early last night, I definitely had that feeling of, okay, hold up, let them cook. The Red Sox can't pitch. As long as Kramer stops letting them home run. So that's the bigger problem, of course. Right. Like they, That's the, the, the two-pronged look at what happened last night is they won the game. That's a good thing. And they didn't strike out all night, which is bizarre. I mean, just an utterly. I, I saw. Did you have that in tidbit today? Like the. Oh, the I saw the a few. Out. I no, saw I a few stats it. going around for like a game in which they didn't strike out because it just does not happen. Uh, 
Tonight marked the first time the Orioles did not strike out in the game since August 8th, 2010. There was only one walk. Chris Hill had the walk. Well, I mean, I, 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 that's not that's not quite as interesting as this. This is but you think not like, a single strikeout, not yeah. a single strikeout all night, is weird. Now, I guess somebody also pointed out that Chris Sale hasn't had a game where he didn't have a strikeout, and well, I think he's coming off a game where he had eleven. Uh, so that sounds right. Or it was t- or two starts ago. I Hang guess. on a second. Yeah, I think it was. I think Hang it was last week. Hang on a second. Um, now that he's out of the game, this is from our buddy Joe Sheehan. Now that he's out of the game, Chris Sale didn't strike anyone out in five innings. His longest previous appearance without a strikeout was one and a third innings. Yeah, he's yeah. never faced more than six batters in a game without striking out at least one. Dang. 11 on April 18th against the Twins. So those are – it's kind of interesting, right? And the four, Everybody in the lineup getting a hit, that's a good thing. All, the, all well and good. It was clearly a balanced effort last night. The fact that they turned to Yenier Cano with a runner in scoring position in the ninth inning because they wanted to protect Felix Batista – that was wild. Don't try to tell me that there's some sort of I, – I, I literally had somebody reach out to me this morning. Like, there's a, there's a closer controversy brewing. I said, no, there's not. You're just – this is what we do when we just say nonsensical things. There is in no world a closer controversy brewing. You know what it is? It's a nice thing to have. So, all that being said, the story moving beyond the pleasantries of last night, the pleasantries of a seven-game win streak, of course, the Orioles and Ty- uh, Pirates now both with seven-game win streaks, so that's the most likely World Series matchup, I think, at this point would be Baltimore-Pittsburgh. Finally get some revenge. On 1979, no doubt. I've been waiting a long time. This is our moment. Um, I, what strikes me is, it's too, again, it's two-pronged about Dean Kramer. It is troublesome that he... In, he kind of reverted back to the Dean Kramer that we had seen to begin the season. And yet we do also have to acknowledge that after he got rocked, he battled back to give them a decent enough start. Enough that you got to win. Like I mean, that doesn't – I know Stan loves to bring up wins still yeah. when we talk about – I just don't – the win stat is the most meaningless stat in all of baseball. It is irrelevant. Along with quarterback it wins. Is, and well, I mean, it's – it's about as re- relevant as a quarterback win. It's just nonsense. It's like it's it's for people that watch baseball in the 1970s, right? Like it is. We have to be willing to accept the rest of us that we have moved on, and that there is nothing about the the, the statistic of a win. Like if you give up eight runs and you happen to get a win, it, I mean, you, it means you went five innings, and I think that I, I, fine. Like you can say went five again, saying hey, it went five innings and. That's not nothing. But is it something? I don't know. I don't know how to quantify it. What I would say is it doesn't mean that Dean Kramer gets booted out of the rotation, but I think it puts him right back under the microscope. Again, for a team that intends to win, they have to look at everything and how much that particular thing is helping them win. And for the most part, Dean Kramer has not helped the Orioles win this season. Now, I get it. It's still a smallish sample size. And I'm not going to try to suggest that last night was an abomination. It looked like it was about to be an abomination. And there was an argument. I, one of the things I'll give Brandon Hyde credit for is saying, I'm not going to screw up the rest of the week by pulling Dean Kramer so early in this game that it costs me significantly in the bullpen when it still looks like 
you're oh, maybe a weeks away from Tate and Givens. It'd be one thing if you thought you had reinforcements coming immediately, but right now it doesn't appear to be the case. So I do give Brandon Hyde credit that when Dean Kramer was getting his brains bashed in, he at least said, let me wait this out a little bit and see what might happen. And he was rewarded for that by Dean Kramer battling. Battling. Not pitching well, but battling. So what does that mean? Well, again, there's nobody right now that's screaming at you, I've got to be in the rotation. You can update me on what Cole Irvin and D.L. Hall have done their last couple of times out because I have not paid that close of attention to it. There's no one that I know of that's screaming, I have to be in the rotation immediately. So... Clearly, he's not being booted right now. The question becomes, is he one more rough start away from the Orioles saying, we've got to try something else? I don't know. I don't know the answer. But I do know that the Orioles have to measure every player. The measurements of years past can no longer be the measurements of this team. You've got to be helping the team win or they at least have to consider their alternative options. In a world in which we talked about the possibility that, say, Austin Voth is on the chopping block, then maybe Dean Kramer is an option for a long relief role, something like that. There, Everything has to be explored by this team. Cole Irvin let up five runs in five innings. Well, Not exactly a great on, uh, Sunday. Wait, Sunday? Yes. What about Hall? Hall on Friday let up two runs off of five hits in five innings. So how many how many walks and he gave, how many uh, runners did he put walks, on base? Two walks, so let up seven five seven base runners he over did five hit a innings. Batter, yeah. So eight base runners over yes. five innings. Although oddly, like five strikeouts, uh, 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 hitting a batter does not count against your WHIP, does right. it? Right, no, it doesn't. It's a very weird. What a bizarre. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> Ah, I had a whip of one today. And they're like, you hit ten batters. Yes, but I had a whip of one. Maybe they really are stretching him out because he went three innings in his first start, four and a third, four innings, and then five on Friday. Well, it, it so. makes sense. I mean, like, they've got to prioritize D.L. Hall. Like, this is the thing I say about Cole Irvin. I, I can live with that. But at some point, there has to be a priority for D.L. Hall being in the major leagues in some form or fashion. Either it's going to work with them stretching him out, which I actually, again... I do line up with Stan a little bit where I say I don't know that that's best for D.L. Hall. I think I have kind of come to grips with the idea that that might not be. Either it's going to work stretching him out to get him into the rotation or it's not going to work and they have to get him to the major. They can all, th- th- This is S or get off the pot territory right now with D.L. Hall. He can't stay at AAA for another two months. Yeah. So they have to revisit that at some point coming. So I would say... That if he has another, when, what day did he make his start? Friday. Uh, Friday. Yeah, so so. Ma- I guess that means he's going to pitch midweek this week, Thursday, Thursday. perhaps, um, because I'm assuming they had Monday off. So he pitches on Thursday, pitches again fairly well. Dean Kramer has another rough outing over the, th- this coming weekend. Then I could absolutely see a scenario by which you look at your off days and you say, "All right, it's time to let DL Hall have a shot." And maybe it's because you're you're giving up on Austin Voth at that point, right? Maybe it's because you're saying, yeah, now you'd still have to make another roster move on top of this. Or, no. I, 
I mean, so so DFA Foth is what you're. Yeah, that's my suggestion. But if you're DFAing Voth and moving Kramer to the, like, if you're bringing up DL Hall, you got to create another roster spot. Like, it doesn't actually solve your problem. <laughs> like right. DFAing Voth, the idea was that was how you get Tate and Givens here. Yeah. But yeah, I'm not actually solving like the Hall problem. Either. I'm creating a, I'm Hall. creating an additional problem by doing this by putting DL Hall in the rotation. Tell Kramer you're the bullpen guy. But but the answer or you on or. Huh. You yeah, have to have a long man. You have to have a long man. So it's either, or unless you believe that Bauman can be your long man, right? Like that's the the kind of wild card in all of this is they've used him, not in that type of role, but he certainly has pitched plenty of innings before. They might believe that he can be their long man slash spot starter, but it's kind of nice to have two of those, right? It's kind of nice to have Voth, who could be your emergency spot starter right now. And then you can have your emergency long man. Like, what if both can yeah. only go three innings? Then Bauman can come in. It's nice to be able to piggyback on that. If Aiken's going, then I really have no idea who you believe that guy is if you get rid of Vogt. Like, I don't, Aiken could give you innings potentially, but I don't know who else in the bullpen you believe could give you innings if necessary. So it's a complicated... Well, you know, Felix Bautista can probably do two. Yes, that's where you would be at. You'd be pitching everybody for an inning. Brian Baker gives you two, like that type of scenario. I don't know. I'm getting I'm getting a little bit lost in the weeds. I do think that you have to put Dean Kramer back under the microscope after last night's start. I think that the totality of what we've seen this season, there's one good start from yeah. Dean Kramer, and it's against the, the Nets. one of the worst offenses in baseball. So, I I think that's a significant measurement in saying how he does against the Tigers this weekend will probably. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know that. Again, we when we use words like we we use the wrong words in these terms. I think that if he were to ru- get roughed up against the Tigers, then that's got to be it. Right. Like that's got to be. It's just time to try something else. And it's a different conversation with Dean Kramer than it is with Austin Voss because Dean Kramer still has an option left. So you're not you're not giving up on Dean Kramer at that point. You're simply saying right now. We need to put somebody else in the rotation that we think might give us a better chance of winning every fifth day. And if that doesn't work out and Dean Kramer's pitching well, we can always go right back to Dean Kramer. Like, But we've got to constantly be giving our team the best chance at winning. It's not a one rough start and you're out of here type of scenario. It's a, dude, if you're getting roughed up for a month, that's that's enough of a sample size at this point that unless you're... I'm trying to think of who would be able to survive to me getting roughed up for a month. I guess Kyle Gibson would be able to survive because you invested $10 million in him, and so he's kind of got to be that guy. But, you know, even Grayson I don't think would be able to survive getting roughed up for a month. I think that Grayson would probably, because, again, he's got options. They would just send him back down. I think right now you've got to be prioritizing giving your team the best chance at winning, and Dean Kramer, for the most part, has not given you the best chance at winning. But... I'm giving you, he makes another start. I'm not saying you do this tomorrow. I'm saying let him make another start this weekend, and that's got to be that. Either he's going to figure it out or somebody else has got to get a shot. And it's not a condemnation of Dean Kramer. It's not saying he's never going to be able to do it. It's a this is the circumstance that we're in. We're not top-heavy in our rotation. We don't have aces We've got to try to do our best, get the best that we can from everybody that's in there. If you have one guy in a rotation full of studs, 
that is a little bit shakier, you can probably live with it, right? Like, well, we know we're going to win the next day. We know we're going to win the day after that. Right now, you don't know anything. <laughs> Although, in fairness, it's, you have, for the most part, pitched well for the last week. Right. Uh, maybe they try to start both again just because he might be, like, maybe maybe it's a mentality thing. You talk about guys benefit from going to the bullpen. Maybe he benefits yeah, that's from a really t- imagine being s- a starter. Imagine saying that to Orioles fans right, right now. Right. Like, we're going to He was we're a gonna very move, effective here's the good starter news. last year. We're going to move Kramer out. Okay, listening, and move both in. What? <laughs> To do, to do what now? I just don't know that you could sell that. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I hear. I hear your thought process. I would say, I think the inclination would be DL Hall before it would be Austin Voth. All right. Um, what time are we doing now? We could probably take a break. No, go ahead. Go ahead. We'll just do it now. I, I got. I let the time get away from me. Um, I'm not sure if this is like news you're aware of or not, but. The New York court, um, yeah, the Masson story, yeah. Uh, it and the problem is we don't know what it really what it means because it could still be appealed to the yeah, Supreme I was Court, to read it, yeah. and it still doesn't actually solve the actual dispute as much as it solves the money that was being held in escrow. That like, anytime you think that the like anytime someone tries to suggest to you that the Masson dispute is coming to an end, it is not. I promise you, it is not coming to an end. But yes, there was a ruling today or this morning uh, about uh, the appeal the of the. And specifically that the Orioles claimed that the arbitration process that Major League Baseball had was biased against them. And this New York appeals court ruled that it was not biased against them. So it might mean that the Orioles are going to have to pay this $100 million they've held in escrow to the Nationals. Or they might try to appeal it to the Supreme Court. Why the United States Supreme Court would take this case, I have no earthly idea, but there are lots of things that exist in the world that I don't understand anymore, so I'm not going to speak about something I don't fully know. That's just where we are. But, yes, there was a ruling today in the ongoing mass and dispute. Our number one of today's program is also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and by Toyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals and new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. It's Tuesday. Every Tuesday we are joined by our friend Patrick Stevens of USA Lacrosse Magazine and the Washington Post to talk some college sports. Patrick, good morning, my friend. How are you? I am well, Glenn. How are you? I'm all right. I, I got to watch. I regret not taking the kids down because the weather actually ended up being okay on Saturday night. But I got to watch most of the game. I'll ask you this question. Is, did, which, which statement is more likely to be true from Saturday night? That we learned that Johns Hopkins is a viable national championship contender or that we learned that maybe Maryland is, is less in that first group of contenders and more in that second group at this point? Yeah, I think they're both in that second group, yeah. and I, I, I think if anything, we probably learned more about Hopkins than Maryland. I mean, you know, one of the things I asked uh, John Geppert after the game and was basically, you know, this is a team that's been kind of inconsistent. It hasn't won more than three in a row. Maryland hasn't all year, and he basically agreed, saying that they had, you know, they had had their had some spurts and then they'd have a letdown. And it's happened kind of repeatedly. And now they're in a spot where they can't afford to do that. And you know, you might have noticed I said that they've uh, they haven't won more than three in a row all year. 
and uh, it takes four in a row to win a national title. Right. Uh, so I, I, I think that that's kind of who Maryland is, has been all season, and, and I wouldn't necessarily say that it was an embarrassing performance by any stretch. I mean, that was that a was really a great fun game. game. Great game. You know, it wasn't it wasn't as good as the Maryland Virginia game down in Charlottesville. Like that was that was a higher level type game. I mean, these both of these teams had 18 turnovers on Saturday. So you know, that was kind of what you would expect to see uh, a couple quarterfinalists that probably aren't going to go all the way to. Um, but if you're Johns Hopkins and I'm sitting here offering you 11 and four, and we're talking about you know hosting a uh, a, a, a NCAA tournament game and talking about them being a viable quarterfinalist that maybe if they get the right, the right game, the right performance on the right day, maybe they make the final four. You know, if somebody had offered that to Hopkins back in January, you know, they would have picked. No question. Oh given, my God. G- given, given what the last few years have looked like. So, I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, Saturday sort of validated two things that, that Hopkins is a lot better than what it has been, um, and you know, it now has this victory to go along uh, with a few others that it's picked up over the course of the season that are that are useful, uh, and, and it also validated that Maryland went from being a team that had all these fourth and fifth year guys and was a generational team, and they graduated a bunch of guys, and, and now they're just kind of like a lot of other teams right. that you, you don't necessarily know which version of them is going to show up from week to week, and, and it's sort of like welcome back to reality, guys. Like it. It's not. It's not going to be like that every single year. No, and I think that's fair. You know, I mean, I, I'm going to ask you this follow-up question, and I want to make sure I preface this. I understand he's still winning 62, percent and I know that, that that obviously the wing play maybe isn't quite what it was a year ago. But I, was I a little caught off guard by Luke Weirman kind of not being as dominant as maybe I expected him to be as the season has gone on? Yeah, I, I think some of it is that, is that there's. You know, and I think this goes for most face-off guys, guys that maybe aren't named T.D. Erlin and, and Trevor Baptiste. Right. That usually those guys get, there's a little more film out there, and people try to eventually throw the kitchen sink at them. And, and Hopkins is interesting in that they've got three face-off guys, and they're not afraid to throw any of them out there at any given time. And so, you know, at the start of the game, Naruski was 0 for 4 uh, right out of the shoot, and so Peter Milliman went to Tyler Dunn, and, and Tyler Dunn does a really good job of, of making a face-off a scrum. And, and one of the great advantages that Hopkins has is they have tremendous wing play, whether it's Alex Mazzone, the Georgetown transfer, the long pole. Uh, he had eight ground balls the other day. And they've got Jack Hawley out there, and basically his job is to be a face-off guy. Like, that is what he does, is to be a face-off wing guy. And, and so I, I think that... You know, you touched on a little bit. Maybe Maryland's wing play isn't as good as it was in previous seasons. Uh, but I also think that people have a better idea of, of how to go about their business against Luke Weirbin as compared to last year as well. I, I think that's fair. And I, again, I get it. Like, he's still having a very good season. I'm not trying to, to suggest that he is not an outstanding faceoff specialist. I guess I was just a little bit surprised when I looked up and I was like, yeah, wow. And, 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 and truthfully, you can argue he's still about as valuable a guy as they have. Because yeah, yeah. we're talking about a team that if he had, he's at sixty-two percent or whatever, it is, right. low sixties, low to mid sixties. Um, a team with their offense that doesn't necessarily have that alpha that we're accustomed to seeing sure. Maryland have. You know, having the ball, getting the ball sixty-two percent of the time is a lot better off than if he was around fifty percent. 
So I think his value is significant. He's not he is not having as good of a season as he had last year. But part of the thing that made him amazing last year is that he went from being a guy that was around what forty six, forty seven percent into the mid sixties, and I don't think anybody saw that right. coming. I don't think anybody in College Park saw that. Right. Coming. Right. And so. Is, is this year a little off? Yes, it's a little off. But uh, I, I also think there was a little bit of magic there, too, that everybody was like, holy cow, look look at what this is adding to an already stacked team. Uh, and this year, I, I think there's probably a little more onus on him to be able to play well. And so I think being in the low 60s is still pretty good. But, but I do agree with you that, that his season is not uh, quite the same as it was a season ago. Let me. I was posed a question by someone I saw on Saturday night, and I, I, I don't know how to define it, so I'm going to give you the shot. How do you explain the impact that John Crawley's return has had on what Hopkins has been able to do hmm. this season? Well, I, I think that the amazing thing, the couple things. First of all, I think the Hopkins coaching staff is on the same page. Uh, and I, I think that's something that stands out as much as anything else. But I think the other thing that's happened for them is, is they have developed a tremendous amount of depth, which interestingly enough really wasn't on display as much the other night as it had been in some other games, like when they had all three of their second-line midfielders score a couple goals against Rutgers. Uh, but this was a team that doesn't necessarily rely on a single guy. I mean, I think Jacob Angelus is the table setter, and he, he wasn't actually doing what he normally does the other night. I mean, he had three goals. That was his first hat trick of the year. Uh, but you know they got two goals, you know, on the second line from Jonathan Pesco. They got two assists from Casey McDermott. You know, Brooks English has played better as the season's gone on. He's gotten more opportunities. Uh, I, I and, and they've gotten a little healthier too. I mean, they they they've had guys in and out of the lineup all season. And, and so the the great strength I think for Hopkins is they just have a lot of dudes yeah. and a lot of dudes that contribute. And I, I don't I don't know if necessarily if we were lining them up as a roster. One through, let, let's say one through 30 compared to other teams. I don't know if their best guy is as good as the best guy from, from you know, a, a Penn State or, or certainly a Virginia Notre Dame Duke. But you start getting down around like 8, 9, 10 and down through the teams, and they get so much value out of the guys that are playing there. You know, the, the Milliman line is, is, you know, they want to have the best role players in the country. And I got to tell you, I think that they've done that this season, that they have figured out a way to get as much value deep into their roster as they possibly can. And I really do think that that is Hopkins' superpower this season. All right, let's take a look at um, – I want to go – Patrick Stevens is with us. I want to go realities, starting with Hopkins and Maryland, who we're both going to be in. Take me through their realities for – are they definitely both hosting? Does Maryland now still have to – not stub their toe this weekend to make sure that they're hosting. And then, like, at this point, I, I guess I, and nobody else in the area has a shot. You know, Navy never really had a shot of getting an at-large, and now it, you know, certainly does not look great for them, uh, given how they were handled by Army. But it, can you run through kind of the realities for everybody else in the area and, and where they are as we head towards the end of the regular season and the start of the postseason? Okay, we'll start with Hopkins, because I think Hopkins is pretty well locked into a home game at this point. I, I think they're out. there's just not going to be a game that they can lose that's really going to hurt them that much, and their overall profile suggests right now that they'd be either the four or the five seed. So I, I don't think that they fall down too much, even if they lose to the Rutgers-Maryland winner in the, in the Big Ten semifinals. I think Maryland, just to be safe, 
probably ought to go beat Rutgers. Um, I think the victory over Virginia is, has held up very well to this point, and that's something that, that is of value. And the victory over Penn State has held up well. But just in case, uh, I, I think it would be wise to go win that game. And at that point, Maryland is looking at probably no worse than about you know a six or a seven seed, and possibly better if they're able to win a few more games right. in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, Navy is playing for a home game in the Patriot League tournament when they go to Bucknell on Friday. And so they win that game, and depending on what happens elsewhere, they might see Loyola, they might see Lafayette uh, in a, in a first round game in that event, but they're going to have to win the Patriot league tournament. Loyola, similar situation. You know, I think they're playing potentially for a home. Yeah, game. I, I, I really needed notes. your help with tiebreaker scenarios as I was doing my broadcast. I know, yeah, I, I know I was texting I, I, you about I other things. I kind of looked at them quickly yeah. after the, after the Navy game the other day, and there was a, a little bit of a mess there. Uh, so I, I think, I think the, safest way for Loyola to get a home game is a victory coupled with a Navy loss. Yes, that seems like um, no matter what, they'd have a home game at that point. They would have a home game in that case. The the tiebreakers are a little convoluted trying to run through it all. Um, so, bottom line is is that Loyola is going to be the, is going to be the 3, 4, or 5 seed in the conference tournament. And so, I think that for them, obviously, at this stage, the loss to Georgetown last week pretty much cements it. they, yep. they got to go win three games in a week to be able to make the end of the tournament. Yep. Towson is in a win-in-their-end situation this weekend against uh, uh, against Delaware. If they if they beat Delaware, which is a, a, a tough task no doubt. for sure, um, they will be in the CAA tournament, which will be held at Delaware next week. There is, I believe, a way for Towson – to be able to get in the tournament even with a loss. Uh, and that would require Stony Brook to beat Hofstra. I don't exactly know. I haven't looked too deeply into what all the tiebreakers look like for Towson at this point. Uh, but a scenario where they're in there, where they're, they can certainly still finish fourth even with a loss if Hofstra loses to Stony Brook. Uh, UMBC, uh, their season is going to come to an end this weekend. Uh, they, uh, they, Lost to Bryant and Binghamton and Albany. Binghamton and Albany are the teams that are right behind in the America East. So they're not going to win a tiebreaker there. They finish against Vermont. So the Retrievers at 8-4 and four, uh, will have their season come to a close this week. And Mount St. Mary's squandered an opportunity to get home field advantage in the Metro Atlantic Tournament. They lost up at Siena. But they still get a bye into the MAC semifinals. So they'll play up at Manhattan uh, next week. Manhattan, the top seed. Mount St. Mary's is the two seed. And they will play, I believe, the winner of Marist and Quinnipiac in the in the two versus three slash six game next Thursday. You know, it's remarkable, and I need, I hope you guys respect. It. I just asked him that, did not prep him for it, did not say that's coming. That's just how much Patrick knows about the circumstances. He was fully well, prepared. Well, well, if we're being to to go ahead and take a little shine off of that, I did open up my standings. All right, okay, fair. Um, oh, boy, had, boy. Shame. Shame! How dare you do that? No, I greatly, greatly appreciate that rundown. All right, Patrick Stevens, it's time for our game. Can you name the MLB teams that this particular player has? Now, now to be clear, I'm I'm shutting the laptop All right, off. Now, thank you, thank game, you. So. Uh, a trickier one uh, to start, and then one I think you should 
Although, I don't know, this might be one you do really well with. Um, Two-time All-Star. Someone who was once MVP of the ALCS, a three-time Gold Glove Award winner, and a Silver Slugger Award winner. Four teams for Placido Polanco. Placido Polanco was a Cardinal. Most certainly. And a Philly. Most certainly. And a Detroit Tiger. Where he was ALCS MVP in 06. And then we're basically leaving yes, like the, one. He went, back like to, a, he went back to Philly for a little while. And then, yes, he did. And then he wrapped in 2013 with a cameo elsewhere. A cameo in 2013 for Placido Polanco. Uh, I say cameo. He, 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 played he played 118 games. It wasn't really a cameo. Okay. Okay. Uh, I don't know. The Marlins? Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> You did, did you really just guess that? Is that or did you kind of know that? And I, I had a vague intuition. It was damn, damn. All right. Well, if you went four for four on Placido Polanco, I don't know, man. Uh, the other one I had was uh, a guy whose story, unfortunately, also involves some tragedy. Um, he wanted to honor Qualcomm once upon a time. A former All Star was once comeback player of the year and then stockpiled some teams at the end. It ended up being Uh-oh. five teams for Matt Harvey. Matt Harvey. Okay, the Mets. Obviously. Uh, Kansas City. I, that one, I, that's, if you remember that one, you might be able to go five for five on Matt Harvey. He was in Cincinnati, right? He most certainly was. He was in Baltimore. He, that was the last spot that he attempted to make it work in. Okay, so there's one other spot for Matt Harvey. Um, one other spot for Matt Harvey, huh? Yep. So he went, did, was it Mets and then Cincy? Yes, and then there was a spot before Kansas City. There was a spot in between. And I, I, I if, if you're struggling, I'll, I'll tell you, there's a reason why. No, how, okay. tell, tell, me, tell me how many games he pitched for this, this other team. Right. Hang on one second. I got to pull up this other. I got to pull up the baseball reference page. Sorry. I just put it away. That's my fault. Uh, Matt Harvey in 2019 made 12 starts. 12 games started for random team unknown origin. Was he in Colorado in that spot? Not Colorado. If I reminded you that this was why there was some controversy and unfortunately a little bit of tragedy for Matt Harvey, would that? Oh, that's right. That's right. He was with the Angels. That's right. That was the story. Exactly right. All right. What does the schedule look like for you this week, my friends? Uh, Maryland and Rutgers on Saturday night in College Park, and then uh, Notre Dame, Virginia. Uh, in Charlottesville on that'll Sunday, be, that'll uh, be that'll last be decent. Really Titanic, yeah. ACC game. That'll be a decent little game to be at on Sunday. That'll be okay. At Discourse D One S Course on Twitter, and of course the Washington Post USA Lacrosse Magazine, where you find him. Patrick Stevens, always appreciate you, my friend. We'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Thanks so much for having me, Glenn. It's Patrick Stevens with us here on GCR. All right, uh, busy hour number one in the books. It has also been brought to you by this print issue of PressBox, which is available right now. Features that illustration of Jackson Holiday on the cover. Go pick it up wherever it is that you find PressBox. It's got a great sort of special section 
all about the pipeline of talent that still exists for the Baltimore Orioles, despite the fact that Adley Rutschman got here and Grayson Rodriguez got here and Gunnar Henderson got here. There's still a lot to come. Uh, what was it, the crazy lady that uh, is dating? Uh, the best is yet to come at the RNC. You remember that? Yeah. What's her? Uh, uh, she was Donald Trump Jr.'s yeah. girlfriend, right? No, like, she was like a. No, a she staffer. used to be on. Fo- no, she used to be on Fox, and then she's dating. Yeah. No, she's dating Donald Trump Jr. Oh, the junior. Gotcha. Yeah, not not the. No, I don't think gotcha, she's dating. Yeah. <laughs> who, um, who knows? It was in. If I can remember the city, was it like Milwaukee or Cleveland or somewhere? Remember. Cleveland. I don't remember. I just I just remember it being like the soundbite that you couldn't get away from for a year. The best is yet to come. Can't, can't pronounce it. Kimberly Gilfoyle. Gilfoyle. Yeah. Thank you. That's exactly <laughs> who it was. God. Um, yeah, that's basically what this section is. But I don't, no even, I don't know that it's the best because I don't know they can get better than Adley Rutschman. But there's still a lot to come is the point that we're trying to make. Uh, and you can find out more about it in that print issue of Pressbox. Speaking of which, as you're reading all about the talent that is still to be coming, the Kobe Mayos, the Heston Kerstads of the world, you can also get out and see all of these guys. Jackson Holiday headed to Aberdeen. You can win four tickets to each of the local minor league baseball teams, plus an easy pass Maryland on-the-go transponder preloaded with $25 and a $50 gas card from Royal Farms to help you get around. You must be 18 or older in order to enter, and the sweepstakes ends on June 14th. Get over to PressBoxOnline.com contests right now in order to get signed up. Still to come today, we're going to meet Matt Shaw, Maryland baseball, top MLB draft prospect. He's having a killer season. They're playing at UMBC tonight. And I'm going to dive back into, I got a question related to what we were just talking about with Dean Kramer and the Orioles and all that. So we'll get into that as well. It's all on the way. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Baseball season is finally here, and what better way to celebrate than with some fresh gear from Birdland Sports. As a small business run by O's fans, Birdland Sports offers a great selection of unofficial merchandise, including unique designs like Birds Are Coming tees, player cartoon shirts, and championship prediction designs. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. Get high-quality gear without breaking the bank. So whether you're heading to the ballpark or watching from home, show your love for the birds with Birdland Sports. Visit Birdland Sports sports.com today to browse their collection and gear up for the season let's go o's whether your focus is luxury and comfort convenience and technologically advanced connectivity or sporty performance and aggressive styling we've got the perfect highlander for you check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new highlanders from your local toyota dealer today another Orioles season is in the books and the bat around was there every step of the way as the birds posted their first winning season in six years and after promoting two number one overall prospects in adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson, Mike Elias has said it's liftoff from here. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and along with my co-host Zach Goodman, we'll be here every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon all off-season discussing every signing, trade, and waiver claim as we navigate the cold winter months that lead to spring training. You can watch us at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash pressboxsports or listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio. And if you miss a show, you can find us anywhere you get your podcasts. So tune into the Bat Around with Paul Valley and Zach Goodman every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon right here at Press Box Sports. 
Costasin has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge. 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you? All right, back in here on GCR as we continue along on a Tuesday edition of GCR. Don't forget, PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. If you, like I, would like to light some money on fire by betting Will Levis to be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft, and there's nothing I enjoy more than lighting some money on fire, if you would also like to do that, the first thing you should do is go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers because then you might be lighting someone else's money on fire. Because you could sign up right now to get up a one thousand, get up to a one thousand dollars, get up to a one thousand dollar deposit bonus match. I don't know why I struggled with that. Get up to a one thousand dollar deposit bonus match plus a fifty dollar free bet from DraftKings. But the only way to do it is go to pressboxonline.com/offers. Again, that's pressboxonline.com/offers to get signed up to take advantage of that deposit bonus match. And then when you want to light your money on fire, you're really lighting their money on fire. So no big deal. No big deal at all. All right. Um, This is a very good way of phrasing this. This came from Chris as we were just talking about the situation and and what you do. Like when do you think about it with uh, Dean Kramer? Chris poses it this way. Chris says, Glenn, I understand what it is that you're saying. I don't think Dean Kramer's been disastrous, and he certainly deserves some credit for battling last night. But to me, it's a bigger issue. I need the Orioles to exhaust every option to know whether or not they're going to need to make a trade come July. They can't find out that D.L. Hall is their backup plan, and then D.L. Hall implodes in August. They need to go through all of these things and figure out if they have enough starting pitching now so that the pressure can be on Mike Elias to make the move. I would say that even if they feel good about five guys, they should still be looking to make a move. I mean, I, it's a weird way of I, – I understand what it is that you're saying, Chris, is that you, you can't just keep dangling someone out there that's struggling because then if the thought process is come May, we'll, we'll just – you know, sorry, now – May's basically now. Come June – We'll give D.L. Hall a shot. Well, what if D.L. Hall looks pretty good for, like, three starts, but then he ends up imploding afterwards, right? Like, you've got to get answers about as quickly as you possibly can. Now, my flip side argument would be, even if D.L. Hall moves into the rotation in three weeks and pitches well, the assumption that all of your guys are going to stay healthy and keep pitching that well all season long is kind of nonsense remember you're still going to deal with an innings cap at some point for Grayson Rodriguez and even if all of your guys are pitching well you should could probably still use someone that you could count on more reliably to be a 
sort of a shutdown type of guy, a top-of-the-rotation type of pitcher, whether or not that guy is actually available or you're willing to pay the price for that particular player, that's a different conversation. But I would say that even if your guys are working, you should still be in the market for another starting pitcher because this is baseball, and you need to have as many of those as you possibly can. And again, that goes back into the conversation of good problem to have. I don't think Dean Kramer should be what holds you up in exploring trade options, but I do get what it is that you're trying to say. Get on with it, because there are expirations for certain things. Get on with it. Don't keep waiting in hopes that Dean Kramer will be more solid. Figure out if you internally can solve the problem. If you can't, be more aggressive in trying to solve the problem externally. In theory, yes. In practicality, try to solve a problem that doesn't exist externally. Like, go do more externally. Do as much as you possibly can to have as much pitching as you possibly can. More and more and more and more. Now, I don't... Again, I still don't expect the Euros to really be in on the Corbin Burns market, for example, right. but... Like, yes, yes, go about doing that. So, yes, I, like, I get, again, I understand it, and it's, it is another way of saying it. You gotta, you can't wait on this forever or say, well, he's not, he's not god-awful. He didn't give up nine runs last night, and he battled. It, you gotta be able to make a decision on this without it always being so definitive. Not everyone can just stink to high heavens. Remember, they made an aggressive decision on Cole Irvin before I think any of us believed it was time for them to make an aggressive decision about Cole Irvin. I think at that point, we were all kind of stunned. We get it. He wasn't good. But I think we all expected this was a guy that you went out and targeted this offseason. You're going to let him try to work his way through it for a little bit. Like, give him another shot or two to figure out if that can be the guy that you expected him to be. I think the point being that you've got a larger sample size now on Dean Kramer, and even if he's not been atrocious, you just need better than that. You can't constantly count on your team to rally from down 4-0. And his conversation is a bit different than Grayson Rodriguez's was when he gave up four runs in the first inning. Whereas I do think that if he had struggled that day, I I genuinely believe that if Grayson Rodriguez had not gotten out of the third inning that day, he would have been sent back down at that point. That being said, he did, and he backed it up with another strong start. So Grayson Rodriguez is off the chopping block for now. But all of these guys can be on the chopping block, every single one of them. Like, that's just the way that it works because you're trying to win. Uh, t- yes, go ahead. Right, I was going to say, I mean, do we, like, do we start thinking about who we want to move in order to get a, no. a it's, it's purely speculative. Okay. I mean, like I think everybody knows the area where you have the most is is middle infield prospects, and so right. you're hoping that you can use the depth that you have there. Uh, obviously, everybody's going to keep brainlessly saying that you could try to use your major league talent to go about acquiring major league pitching, but as I, I have said every time that topic has come up, you, I don't know who the team is that is such a surplus well, of pitching that's specifically looking for another outfielder. I just don't know... You're, it's going to have to be a very unique set of circumstances for me to think that's the way you're going to do it. But can it be cyclical? Can you use your glut of infield prospects to acquire major league pitching and then maybe turn around and trade one of your current major leaguers to replenish your stock of prospects? 
that could end up being a cycle that ends up working this season. I just don't know that you're going to be able to trade one for one. Just the Dodgers, since they are kind of they they need a shortstop, like they're trying to mm-hmm. put Mookie Betts at shortstop. Is that something right. you could see moving Mateo? Mateo, I mean, at the minute I wouldn't be messing with Mateo. Right, I know. I mean, I mean that's our the, best. That's the our problem. Best player. Like I, I, I get why you'd say it's more desirable to trade Mateo than it is to trade you know, Westberg, and why the Dodgers would be more compelled by Mateo than they would be by... The Dodgers aren't looking for a prospect. Well, unless they are. Let's be fair about that, right? Unless they are. Unless they're saying, hey, look, we did the crazy luxury tax. We want to go a different direction. It'd be interesting. I don't know what you're getting. Like, what, what what, what from their staff... Obviously, Walker Bueller. Sure. Just kidding. Sure. Straight up. <laughs> Who says no? Um, I don't know what they're willing. That's again, like it's, it's well and good to put this out there, but are they willing to part ways with any of their? Like they came in not nearly as deep pitching wise as we're used. Remember, we're used to Dodgers having eight legitimate starting pitchers on their roster. They didn't come in this year that deep in starting pitching, so. I just don't know that. Yeah, that they'd be willing to. Like, I, I'm in a weird. I am in a really weird place with this. I I think that it's not. You can't get your pitching from a contending team. And the Dodgers are not likely to not be a contending team. The Brewers, I get why it could be unique with Corbin Burns. I do understand why even if they're contending, that can be unique. But you can't get your pit contending teams. Teams that are trying to win aren't giving up pitching unless it's an extraordinarily unique circumstance. You're going to have to find your pitching from a bad team, a bad team that happens to have a pitcher. Um, the, Mateo, the Mateo thing is, is fascinating, right? Because somebody would say, well, now, right now at this moment, he has as significant a trade value as he's ever going to have, and you love all the guys you have behind him, so why not move him? Or his trade value could keep going up. <laughs> Maybe it's hard to believe that, but because he is a little bit older, he is. I I, I don't think his well, trade like value. In three weeks. I don't know. Like he keeps, you know, he keeps hitting. It's still hard to. I mean, like this, <laughs> like this. I don't know that I see that. So somebody would say, trade him as soon as you can. If you're ever going to trade him, if the plan isn't for Jorge Mateo to be your guy, trade him now, because you can't have greater value on Jorge Mateo. Then it, it gets tricky again. Imagine walking in and selling that to your fan base. The guy, the best player on the baseball team, mm-hmm. we're gonna look to move. I I get it. I understand the theory. And they've got to go like sort of scramble around. Do we really think that Jorge Mateo has established himself as being a guy that we can count on for the next five years? And that's complicated because of his age, right? But if you do then why wouldn't you be looking to trade what's behind him? Why wouldn't you be looking? As much as everybody said Joey Ortiz is like the shortstop moving forward because he's so good defensively. Well, does somebody else believe that? At some point, they're going to have to address the issue that they have with all their infield prospects. They can't just keep holding on to this many of them. And the intention... Like, they still got to figure out, if if they have accepted that Gunnar Henderson's a third baseman, let's be frank, that's been eh so far, mm-hmm. but doesn't inspire confidence about him being moved to shortstop either. Like, you could say, well, maybe he's just more comfortable at shortstop. 
I don't know. He hasn't played third base. Like, he makes some plays, and there's times where you're like, okay, I get it. But it's not been flawless. There have been some throws that have been... Skip throws. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. there's been a, a good a number of those. As much as Mountcastle should have picked it anyway. A hundred percent. Well, he, he made a nice pick on one on, what is it, Sunday that he made the really nice uh, pick? Yeah, I think. Um, I, I don't think that right now you're hell-bent on Henderson having to be your shortstop, but I think they probably are about Jackson Holiday, right? Like, I'd be hard-pressed to believe that they don't think Jackson Holiday is ultimately a shortstop. And if if he continues to rise... I saw Dan Connolly say something. Somebody messaged Dan Connolly yesterday, like, I don't think it's impossible Jackson Holiday could be here next year. I gotta come up with the exact quote that Dan Connolly said because it was so like it, it was an it was explosive to me the way that Dan Connolly, of course, the Orioles beat writer for the Athletic, um, responded to a tweet from somebody after the news came out. Uh, uh Madison, who actually no tweets and said, I have to think he could be in Baltimore potentially next year. I could tell in Sarasota how unfazed he was with being in big league camp. Dan Connolly said, that would be an uncharacteristic push by a regime by the regime given the games played. But I think it is possible. Hmm. That's mean, bonkers. <laughs> He'll be... The kid was in high school a year ago. In high school. Now, I get it. He was ripping the cover off the ball to start the season at Salisbury. So if he goes and does that in Aberdeen for the next four months, are you not thinking about putting him at Bowie before the season is over? Like saying, hey, let's go get a taste of double A because you've clearly overwhelmed high A pitching. And if he does that, and then you would presumably start him at Bowie next season, and he quickly is murdering Bowie pitching, then by this time next year, is he at triple A? And if he's a triple-A by this time next year, yeah. yeah, I mean, he could be in Baltimore before the season is over. Now, again, there's a lot of – I'm fast-forwarding a little bit in the process, but and I'm projecting a bit, but to think it's impossible, I, I'll things, trust Dan Connolly. All things go right. Yeah, yeah I'll trust Dan Connolly. And I also get why they, at that point, might be inclined to be more aggressive. It's one thing when you're dealing with Adley Rutschman and the team stinks and – you're also coming out of a pandemic and all of those things, and you're just you're not trying to rush through things. But now, if the team's competitive, and you've got another rock star bat that you can add to the lineup late in the year to try to get you over the top and a push for the the pennant. And again, I'm being aggressive because yeah. it's still hard even next year to see how this team is winning the AL East without a pitcher. More, yeah, more. Um. But, yeah, I mean, I absolutely could see it as being plausible. So I do understand that at some point you have to address the glut of infield prospects you have because they're not – again, it's one thing to say it's a good problem to have. It is a good problem to have. But at some point, it's got to be used to your advantage. And to your question, Griffin, whether that's using Mateo as the trade chip because of how much you like everything behind him or whether that's acknowledging that Mateo is – him. That's a new. It's a new thing I just came up with. Um, I'll let, I'll let you guys use it if you want. But like I just I spent a lot of I'll time working on it. Yeah, pass it along if him, you don't mind. Mateo. Yeah, if you wanna if you wanna use that, I'll I'll be okay with it. If you're acknowledging that you think this is the guy, I don't know, man. Like the if he can if 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 he really has completely changed who he is as far as looking at pitches, and that's what you're going to see moving forward, everything else was there. Mm-hmm. 
Like, that was it. It just came down to, could he get on base enough for it to matter? You don't really even need him to be this guy. If he's a little bit less than this guy, he's still one of the more valuable players on the baseball team. You know, I'm not inclined to move him. And again, the problem being, if he struggles for a little while, then he's going to lose his value too. God, yeah. that's such a, it's so confounding with Jorge Mateo. Like, it's just so unique because he's, what, 27? Like, it's so unique, the circumstances that you find he's, yourself in. He's either going to be so extremely, like, so highly valuable or, or worthless almost. There really is no in-between. There's yeah. no place where, like, you know, he takes a step back and teams are like, yeah, but we saw enough to know that we can still get it out. Like, that was what the Orioles did. The Orioles were the team that did that. Now he's 27 years old. He'll be 28. Uh, what's his birthday? Uh, his birthday is... June, yes. He'll be 28 before the All-Star break. Before the trade deadline, he'll be 28. You're not selling him, selling on what he could become. You're selling on what he is. It's tough, man. It's really tough to make that decision. I, I, I'm not prepared to do it right now. I, like Right now, I would say you can't. You cannot possibly do that. But I also get they have to make decisions based on what they know is coming. And if they have decided... Beyond a shadow of doubt, the Jackson Holiday is their opening day shortstop in 2025. You're going to be as hard-pressed to find the same amount of value in Jorge Mateo a year from now. Imagine trying to do this when he's 29 at the deadline next year. And probably not, again, because it's very difficult to match the numbers that he's put up right now. I don't know where we just went with that, but yes. The infield thing is what you have to use in order to try to get your pitching. There's no doubt about that. All right, speaking of infielders, uh, an infield prospect for this year's MLB draft is going to join us next, and he is having a rock star season down at the University of Maryland. Matt Shaw is going to check in with us when we come back in. Today's show also brought to you by Birdland Sports. They've got the Homer Hose available right now. Birdlandsports.com is the website it's $15 for you to have your own Homer hose at home to play along and to celebrate and stay hydrated with the boys whenever a home run is hit. Get to birdlandsports.com right now and get your own Homer hose. Matt Shaw's next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Harford Community College in Bel Air, Maryland, along with the National Junior College Athletic Association's Region 20, will host the 2023 NJCAA Men's Lacrosse National Championship May 13th and 14th at Harford Sports Complex, 401 Thomas Run Road in Bel Air. Semifinals are on Saturday, May 13th. The National Championship is Sunday, May 14th. Catch the action for $10 each day. Tickets will be available in advance or at the gate on game day. Qualifying teams will be announced. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles, diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson, and Bo Smolka breaks down what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm 
Farms stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mmm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich, hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue along in hour number two of today's program. Stand the Fan Charles, Luke Jackson, and Ross Grimsley got together last night. You can find that show right now, Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Click on the videos tab or go to YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline or PressBoxOnline.com slash video. Find it in any of those locations as Stan, Ross, and Luke got together to talk some baseball last evening. We had the opportunity a little bit earlier on to get together with Matt Shaw as Maryland baseball gets ready to play UMBC, and we want you to hear about it right now on GCR. Well, joined now here on GCR by a man who's getting ready to make the uh, short trip up to Baltimore to technically to Catonsville tonight where the Maryland baseball team is going to take on UMBC he is having another outstanding season. He is the shortstop for the Terps. He is Matt Shaw, and he's with us now here on GCR. Matt, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Dude, it's great to chat with you. First of all, like, just how good does it feel to be playing the way that you're playing, for the team to be winning series? I think, what, you've lost one series all season long. You're trending in the right direction. Like, how good does it feel to be Matt Shaw at this moment? Yeah, no, I mean, it, it feels good right now. You know, the team's, like you said, trending in the right direction. That's huge for us. Um, you know, I think as a whole, you know, we're starting to gain some momentum. Um, and obviously in the game of baseball, really any sport you're playing, uh, momentum is huge. So gain a little bit of momentum going into, a, a, honestly, one of our toughest weeks of the year is going to be this, this week where we have the double midweek and then, uh, we have a way Indiana. So, you know, I think uh, we're really, really looking forward to this week. Um, obviously the game and, um, you know, I think it's going to be a really, really exciting week and hopefully a good week for us. Matt, I know early on in the season, you guys had a couple of opportunities I know you got the one win down at Ole Miss, but you had some opportunities for some big wins and you came in with a ton of hype. And I'm I'm sure that for some guys it's difficult, right? Because you want to be 
a top 10 team in the country. You want to prove to everybody immediately. But was there maybe, a, a, I don't know, something positive that came from taking a couple of difficult losses, growing from that, and knowing, hey, it's a long season. We've got a long time to make sure, as you pointed out, we're playing our best baseball going into Memorial Day. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that was huge for us, honestly, losing some of those games. Um, you know, I think, you know, this team this year, um, especially after coming off a really good year last year, we kind of struggled a little bit to find our identity as a team. Um, and I think, you know, as of right now, I think we're really starting to come together. I think uh, as a whole, we're really starting to kind of mesh together and, and play like we should be playing. So, you know, I think it's a good time for us to have, like I said, one of the toughest weeks of the year. I think we're ready to kind of stand up to that challenge and, and have a great week. So, you know, I think uh, obviously the end of the year wasn't exactly how we wanted it to go, but you know, losing those games was a little bit of a, you know, a wake up call, but also, you know, we've worked through it. We've worked through some things, some injuries and stuff, and we're still ready to go. He is Matt Shaw. He is with us here on GCR Maryland at UMBC tonight, as he points out, this very difficult week starts tonight, six o'clock. Uh, if you're local, you can get to Catonsville and check out the Terps as they make their march to the NCAA tournament. Matt, you know, going back to what you said about last year and what a magical season it was outside of, you know, one really terrible uh, umpiring call at the end, but I can say that and you won't. Um, what what did it do? What did you sense that it did for the program, for expectations, for the belief of what can be accomplished by a Maryland baseball team? Yeah, I mean, obviously coming in and doing that was huge. Like the players, the fans, the coaches, everybody, um, you know, something we always believed we could do, but, you know, finally being able to do it and see it come to life was like absolutely amazing to see. Um, you know, I just remember seeing a line of fans outside our stadium and the line was, you know, 200 feet long. And, you know, that was a, a crazy feeling to see, you know, Turf Stadium getting filled up like that. So, you know, I think it was huge. I think it's great for the program, obviously. Um, but I also think it kind of started working some things into, into motion, like getting that new hitting facility, yeah. um, you know, getting new things like that, where, you know, in this day and age, it's really hard to recruit when you don't have stuff like that. Um, and for us to continue to get better, you got to be good at recruiting. You got to have these facilities. You kind of have to do everything you can. And um, I think we're finally being able to do that now. It's it's so fascinating you bring that up because like I I was a student at Maryland once upon a time and like baseball barely existed in you know with on campus it was like oh right they play baseball too so to experience that that electricity of what happened last year I can only imagine like the taste that it leaves in your mouth to say dude we need to do that again and I know it doesn't look great for the chances of hosting a regional at the moment but like just to have that juice and maybe the I, I don't know if the obligation is the right word, but to sort of carry that moving forward and continuing to push that what Maryland baseball can be in, in the coming years. Yeah, no, I mean, that was, it's something that leaves a pretty bad taste in my mouth, losing, you know, in front of all those people who came out to watch you play who are supporting you through the weekend. Um, but I think it's something we, we obviously can do in, you know, in years to come, whether it's this year or other years. Um, but something that you remember and you, you look back and say, like, yeah, that's what we—that's what we're looking forward to every year. That's kind of a goal every year. And then obviously making it to Omaha. All right, no question about that and how magical that would be. 
Um, Matt, for you, you, you carry, I don't know, maybe an additional amount of pressure, right? Like you are thought of as one of the top prospects in the all of baseball going towards the MLB draft this season, how, you know, multiple goals, right? Like how do you handle both wanting to help the team win versus wanting to show everything that you can show, knowing you're also perhaps just a few weeks away from your life completely changing? Yeah, I mean, I think sometimes just kind of focusing on the team aspect can allow the indiv- individual stuff to kind of take place on its own. Um, and, and it really helps, you know, being able to, to be a good teammate, to, to play the game and lock in on the game and enjoy playing the game. All those things kind of let everything else happen um, and work themselves out. So, you know, for me, being able to focus on the team and, and stuff like that and winning, uh, um, you don't really need it to balance out the other thing because then everything else kind of takes care of itself. You, you, uh, so you know. you've been such a productive player throughout your career. Is there something that even this season you feel like you've done better? I know your OPS has been nuts, right? And I know the power continues. But is there something that you're even more proud of or that you feel has developed even more for you, considering you know the the standard was already pretty high for you coming into this year? Yeah, for me, like the walking more than I'm striking out and having a better on-base percentage is something that's absolutely huge for me. Um, something I put a lot of value in, something I've never done before. Uh, you know, obviously, people who know baseball know on-base percentage is an extremely important statistic, um, maybe even more important than average. Um, so, you know, having that high on-base percentage, being able to walk, taking the walks when they give it to you, uh, to me, those are that's really, really important. It's something that I, I focus on a lot. What did it take for you? Like as you point out, by the way, Matt's OP or on base percentage is over four sixty right now. It's just bonkers what he's doing. Um, what did it take for you to say, "Hey, I know I'm a hitter, and it's been obvious that you've been a hitter since you arrived, but I have to be willing to say I can't." Just like, what did it take for you? Was it somebody something that someone said to you or? You know, I, I know how important Matt Swope is to literally every human that's ever been around Maryland baseball. <laughs> like, what did it take for you to make that a priority? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's just, I think it's just a maturity thing. Uh, yeah. Being able to mature, being able to take, you know, my swings when, I, when I'm getting the pitches. And if I'm not, just, you know, being able to work that walk, being patient, um, understanding kind of what the game gives to you and, and what you're given in a certain town or game or whatever it may be. Um, but, you know, I like to walk. I've, I've always wanted to walk, but, you know, being able to be mature enough to actually work those walks and take those pitches in certain counts, that's where this year has been a little bit different than others. I, it, look, man, it's, it's paying dividends. There's no freaking question about that. It's unbelievable uh, what it is that you're doing. I, I'm wondering if, if you could have fun with me for just a second because we are up here in Baltimore, right, and the Orioles hold the 17th pick in this draft, and I'm just wondering, given where you're from, how awkward would it be for some of your friends and family if in a couple of months you were announced as the 17th pick by the Baltimore Orioles knowing, I'm assuming, that there's an awful lot of Boston Red Sox fans that exist within your life? How much maybe uncomfortability would there be if it played out that way? <laughs> you know, I, I obviously would love to play for the Red Sox, as you mentioned that. Um, but in the end, I know that all my friends and family, they'd be obviously yeah. happy. 
Um, and you have to, and, and you know that. But at the same time, I think uh, everyone would prefer that I play for the Red Sox. So. <laughs> I appreciate the diplomatic way that you're handling that because I feel like if it was the other way around, a kid from Baltimore was being drafted by the Red Sox, all the family members would just be like, yeah, dude, it's over. Like, that's the way. <laughs> like, we're just going to have to hate you moving forward. Uh, Matt, this is my first opportunity to catch up with you. I, I wondered if you could tell me the story of why it was Maryland for you to begin with. Like, I, I know there had been some success at Maryland. It's not like you arrived at a place that there was no hope for having some success, but there had been a little bit of a dip there. Why was Maryland the spot for you to begin with? Yeah, uh, Maryland was kind of one of the schools that showed a lot of interest in me. Um, you know, I had a few schools that were interested, Maryland, Northeastern, um, a couple others, but, you know, they kind of showed the most interest in, um, you know, Maryland being a little more Southern than where I'm from. Mm-hmm. Um, and also having, a, you know, like you said, they, they have, but they might not have a huge track record, but they've had some success. They have obviously great coaches as you mentioned. Um, so, you know, once I started to get to know Maryland a little more, uh, to me, it was really a no brainer to say, Hey, you know, I get to go to these young coaching staff, this great hitting coach, all of this stuff and go play in a, in a power five conference. And, you know, for me, that was a no brainer. I, I don't want to take anything away from like, I feel like I t- end up talking to guys about swope all the time. I don't want to take anything away from coach Vaughn because obviously he's a very accomplished coach. He's doing a hell of a job. But what is it about Matt Swope? Because, like, I will talk to somebody like, say, Lamont Wade, and he'll be like, dude, I owe everything, everything to that guy. <laughs> what is it about him that that guys love and, and makes him so impactful in your careers and getting you to that next level? Yeah, um, obviously his drive to be a great hitting coach, you know, I think that starts everything. Um, he's got a drive to learn, a drive to understand how each hitter swings individually. Um, and I think that's kind of helped him to figure out what, you know, recently that's been his kind of his MO is these motor preferences. Um, that's kind of how the body moves. And you can kind of think of it as another form of biomechanics if you're not familiar. Um, but, you know, just his drive to understand the player, to make the player the best they can be. Um, to have an individualized plan for each player. Uh, I think that's what makes him so unique. Uh, you can kind of fall into the trap in certain colleges where everyone's doing the same thing. Yeah. Um, and you and you won't find that here. Uh, you'll find a, a plan that's very specific to you, that's very specific for your development, and I think that's you know hugely important. All right. Uh, give me Right now, the biggest thing, the difference between where this team is right now and where you need to be in order to make that historic run and bring Maryland to Omaha for the first time ever, what is the biggest difference right now between where this team is and where you want it to be? Yeah, uh, I would say two things. Number one, you know, having a great week. This week is yeah. huge for the momentum for the rest of the year. Uh, so I think this week is, is vital for us. Um, and secondly, I think, you know, there's some guys in our bullpen that, you know, need to step up and, and have those roles because you get into regionals, super regionals and Omaha, you're, you're throwing everything you got yep. and, and both teams are. So, you know, there, you got to have guys that step up and, and kind of find their role. Um, and, you know, if that happens and, you know, we have a good week and we have guys that step up, I think we're in good shape. Matt Shaw, I I was trying to peruse. You're are are you on social media? Like I kept trying to look. Are you a social media guy at all? No, I don't have any. Good for media. you, man. Has it always been that way, or did you sort of dump it a, at some point? 
Yeah, I dumped it probably now like two two years ago. Just like sort of, a, I want to stay focused, or what was what was that decision all about? Yeah, I mean, focus is one thing. It was kind of just like to me, it kind of felt a little bit pointless. Like <laughs> I just really wasn't interested in it. Right. Uh, so I was like, you know what? It's it's really not worth it. And so I just kind of I dumped it. I have never heard a more truthful statement in my life than social media <laughs> is really kind of pointless. I am so jealous of you and the ability <laughs> to just block it all out and say, I don't care. I've got bigger things at stake. Um, is there anything at all that we can plug for you? Doing anything NIL-wise, anything like that that we can give you a plug for? You know, I, I honestly haven't been super, super interested in NIL either, but I know, you know, it is pretty important for college sports now. Um, and, you know, I, I'm nothing against it. I think it's like awesome what, what it is and what it's all about. Um, but right now, you know, with all the baseball I'm playing and, and, you know, how things are going and, and hopefully taking that next step into, into, you know, professional baseball, yep. my focus with NIL you know, I, I don't find it as to be an extremely important part of, you know, who I am or what I'm doing. So. Yeah, dude, you're fat. This is great, man. I, I love the fact that you just seen it. Was it always like, did you always just love baseball the same way? Did you always know it was baseball? And like, did you always just love being a competitor like this? No, oh, yeah. Yeah. Baseball was always the one. That's cool. Baseball man. was. Yeah. That's really cool. Matt Shaw, it's fascinating chatting with you, dude. Uh, it's awesome to watch you play, man. It's incredible. And uh, not only we're going to wish you luck this week, as you mentioned, with this huge week starting tonight against UMBC and the rest of the season, but uh, we wouldn't mind it if it happened to work out and you can buddy back up with uh, Costas here in the Orioles system uh, <laughs> down the road. That would be a really cool thing. Uh, congratulations on all the success you've had. Thank you for taking a few minutes for us this morning. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's good to talk. and You know, I love talking about baseball. It's Matt Shaw, uh, Maryland baseball, again, top 20 prospect right now in uh, the 2023 MLB draft, and they're getting ready for UMBC tonight, 6.30. Over in Catonsville, a chance to check out the Terps, who are very much expected to be back in the NCAA tournament this year, not tracking quite the same way in order to be able to host, but as he pointed out, a big weekend ahead with Indiana, so a chance to uh, maybe change that a little bit moving forward. Appreciate him taking the time for us this morning. A.J. Michaels, heating, plumbing, home performance, A.C., all of it. It'll improve your home's energy efficiency and comfort levels. A.C. season is coming up fast. New rebates and discounts are available more at AJMichaels.com. How's uh, Dylan Brooks doing today? How's, uh, how's old D.B.? Not, not good. No, not a good day for old old Dylan. He's hiding from you. It's like people like you. It's like everyone on the planet immediately knew. Like I've I've never seen anything that the entire planet shook their head at. Like, oh, dude, this is a bad idea. Dude, he he got forty eight special LeBron last oh night. Oh my god. The, the points didn't match, but in that fourth quarter, it was like just give it to LeBron. Everyone get up. Dude, I can't believe they still let him defend him. You know, like in overtime with the game on the line, they're still sending Dylan Brooks over towards LeBron James. Like, yo, maybe anything else? Maybe any? Like, like Desmond think, Bain have a shot? I think, think that was yeah. Desmond Bain should have been the option. He was he had thirty six last night. He was the hot hand. Let him use his hot hand on defense. God. He's a young guy. If they're worried about like him spending his energy on defense, it's the playoffs. You're about to go down three one. Gotta put pride aside. Brutal, brutal. I, I mean, I don't know. I like Dylan Brooks is probably like, yo, I'm very wealthy. <laughs> like, I'm fine. All's good here. He's got to change this his DB on. But it is, it's got to be tough right now. 
you are getting cooked by the world. It's one thing to get cooked by LeBron James, right? Like right. he's LeBron, LeBron James. James. You know what I mean? You're getting cooked by the planet. This is what he I, he can't be too upset. I mean, this is what he asked for. This is well. I mean, it can't. Started, I don't know if he can be upset, talking. but it's it's still. And again, I sure his there, life is fine. Right. Like I'm sure Dylan Brooks. I, I don't know. I imagine. About think about how much money Dylan Brooks has made in his career comparison to like Michael Jordan, like just from sheer basketball standpoint, right? Like I, they're comparing this to like uh, when LeBron was on the Cavs and uh, they had those rivalries, rivalries with the Wizards, and Deshaun Stevenson was there was never a rivalry a with the Wizards. No, but, it was a but, like, it was a no, there's it was no. Not. But all right. My point being, there's no rivalry with the Grizzlies either. Like, yes, yeah. that's correct. It doesn't exist. Like, it's it's hammer and nail. It's that you know, stir it up. You know, get some views. How much money do you think Dylan Brooks has made in his career just playing basketball? Um, how long has he been in the league now? Like, yeah, can we get four years? years? I think it's been six. It's been right? Six. Okay. He's older than a. Than a uh, let's go yeah, with. You can double check that, but I don't. I think it's been like that. Let's go with uh yeah I mean NBA what's like the minimum or average for NBA contract it's, it's definitely good I'll go with fifty fifty million it's a little bit you're you're overshooting it by a bit I was gonna All say right, thirty six I was gonna say forty four thirty eight million okay. thirty thirty six was thirty eight million guess, for the like, entirety of his career Michael Jordan made eighty six million dollars in the NBA jeez yeah. for the entirety of his career drafted in twenty seventeen second round pick though. He was a college star, which is like yeah, oh yeah, he was a nice. He was a very nice player. Look, man, I'm not trying to knock Dylan Brooks, but dude, this is well, he deserves it. Yeah, like you, you could have just been cool. Like, and the funny thing too is that until a week ago, the thought on Dylan Brooks is like, yo, he's a nice little player, right? Like, this th- thought is came <laughs> from being a second guy. round pick, yeah. a really good defender, right? Like, the overwhelmingly positive feelings about Dylan Brooks until one week ago, and then. The world came after you, and then there was nobody that was a Dylan Brooks fan at that point. Rough, rough, dude. When he airballed that three in the first half, you're like, "Oh, this boy is shook, shook, shook." Now he actually played fairly well. He actually had a pretty good game as it went on, but in the most important moments, he was getting yeah. his ass beat, getting his ass beat. Uh, imagine, by the way, if that shot had counted at the end of regulation. Like, imagine oh, if, they, like, on top of everything else in his career, LeBron James would also have that. Also have that. Um, it would have deprived of us as him kicking Dylan Brooks's ass right. in overtime, but still, Jesus Christ. Yeah. And then Jimmy Butler last night, obviously, uh, 56 uh, The kids are points. using the thing that you just came up with. They're calling him Himmy They're Butler. They're calling him him? Yeah, they're oh, calling him man. Himmy, Himmy Butler. I can't believe it already tra- It already moved that quickly. Yeah. I can't believe it already was passed around the world that quickly. Uh, playoff Jimmy, they call him. 56 points how, last night. How close would he be to Wade if he brought a chip to Miami? I don't know. I, Dwayne Wade is a revered like like, and he it wasn't a lifer because he did technically end up going elsewhere. But you know, he started there. He was draft pick. He was. I don't think you can compare to Dwayne Wade in Miami. I just don't. I don't. I don't think there that will come. But yeah, I mean, he's certainly carving out a place for himself. I think the crazy part is that you suggested that a team that was an eight seed could win a championship, which is bonkers. But it's funny because I was talking to uh, Kelsey Nicole Nelson from Valley Sports on the radio show the other day, and she was like, look, I don't think it's impossible if Jimmy Butler plays like this. And what you're really talking about is just how open you believe this playoffs to be, that it's hard to dismiss 
much of anyone who advances out of the first round. But we were told, like, all season, the Bucks were the team that were going to win playoff games without their star player. They were the best setup team. They had the best roster. Well, they got the him back depth. last night, and they still yeah, lost. Yeah, and then they just got their doors blown open. Well, they didn't yeah. get – I mean, they were up double digits in the second half of the game. It's just that Miami – started clicking right when they needed to and took it. By the way, I also don't think that series is over. I'm going to say the same thing. I know it looks bleak because there's not a ton of teams that have come back from 3-1, but it's not a complete story. Only one of those losses is with Giannis on the floor. Like, I just, I think that there is still more story to be told in that series, particularly because they get to go home for game five. All they've got to do is win one game on the road and that changes everything. I don't think that series is over. I mean, if Jimmy Butler is going to score 56 points every well, game. Yeah. Then, you know, but, I mean, who's to say Giannis isn't going to go out and match 100%. that next game? And yeah. I guess it also depends on does he get his espresso grinder again when he gets back to Milwaukee? Or They should be hiding them. They, they, what a Everyone in Milwaukee should be banding together to hide all the espresso machines. Uh, tonight, the Nuggets get another shot to close out the Timberwolves. The Suns can try to close out the Clippers and, I don't know, maybe look impressive in the process. Is Kawhi playing tonight? No. This game yeah, yeah, is out. Not really. Gonna, nothing out. that they do tonight is going to sell me at all. We're trying to say it's Minus low 12 management. And a half. Like, come on now. They're not that they're elimination stupid. Game. They're not that. They're not yeah, low. I mean, that just not right. Yeah, all right. right. We, we got this one in Phoenix, so we just want to make sure we rest them up. For but even the six. last one, people were trying to say, how are the Clippers load managing them? It's like they're not. No, like, he's not playing. It's uh, knee sprain. Yeah. Boston, Boston can close out Atlanta tonight as well. So three teams all with a chance to move on this evening. When we come back in, we will get a tidbit. We'll get to better wind down for a Tuesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to BirdlandSports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles. Diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson. And Bo Smolka breaks down what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farms stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com That first sip That first bite mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world At Royal Farms, breakfast is available daily Day and night, it's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. 
Hartford Community College in Bel Air, Maryland, along with the National Junior College Athletic Association's Region 20, will host the 2023 NJCAA Men's Lacrosse National Championship May 13th and 14th at Hartford Sports Complex, 401 Thomas Run Road in Bel Air. Semifinals are on Saturday, May 13th. The National Championship is Sunday, May 14th. Catch the action for $10 each day. Tickets will be available in advance or at the gate on game day. Qualifying teams will be announced. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressboxonline, and you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grindr? I don't think that you would find it on Grindr. Not that I know it's on Grindr or anything, I swear. Second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. Pressboxonline.com slash offers is the place to go. You can sign up right now and get five second chance bets at PointsBet when you deposit and bet your first $50. But the only way to take advantage of it is to go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers and claim the incentive. Again, that's PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. We are winding down for a Tuesday edition of the program. I'm trying to think if there was anything that happened that we didn't cover. We covered my dumb bet on Will Levis. I'll make more dumb bets before Thursday night, by the way. I can't I can't believe I got duped into that. The numbers start moving. I'm like, somebody knows something. Race over, try to get a bet in. By the way, and that worked for me last year. Like in the Don't are you gonna bet Peter in the in the hours leading up to the draft, there were some pretty who was the cor- uh the cornerback like everybody said Stingley to Houston last year and there was something else that became clear in the hours leading up to the draft so when i arrived at the casino for the event that we were doing i went right over and happily took my money right but like that was based on something a little bit stronger than a reddit post Hmm. from some rando now you learn now you know you know you gotta i just wanted to make my move before the odds crashed even further i was like they're coming by the way they came really far down I'm trying to remember where they came to. Like I saw it this morning. Are you gonna take the Paris Johnson as the first tackle off the board bet? Uh, but was there was there because, a move? Well, because the Steelers apparently, I think what Kenny Pickett really likes uh, Paris Johnson. The Steelers are thinking about jumping up now. But was there movement in the markets? Uh, well, I not a ton of it. But since he's still at plus money, that's why you got to get on no, it now. No, no, no. When something it's right, right. When I, something I solid, the markets this. move. Hang on a second. Uh, it was uh, la- okay. This is from Rovell, uh, on the post from Reddit poster sale agreeable twenty eight thirty four. The NFL draft market has been flipped on its head. Will Levis started last night at fifty to one to be taken number one overall. This morning got to ten- twenty to one. An hour ago ten to one, and now four to one. Went from fifty to one to four to one, all because of a Reddit post from sale agreeable twenty eight thirty four. Shout out Sale Agreeable. I am an idiot. I am an idiot. The power he has over man. God, man, I feel so very stupid about that. Uh, I tweeted about this uh, this morning. Uh, The Big Ten announced the basketball opponents for next season. And Maryland, the only teams that will not, the, the teams that won't come to College Park next year are Minnesota, Ohio State, and Wisconsin. The only places they won't visit are Purdue, which seems like good news if Zach Eady ends up returning. 
Nebraska, and Michigan. And I just wonder, just wondering out loud, because one of the things we had heard is that there is not bad blood between Hunter Dickinson and Michigan. In fact, there are still some people that believe that Hunter Dickinson, this could all be one long ploy to try to get Michigan to pony up some more money for him. It's where we are, dude. It's where we are. Smart. Um, yeah, right. hey, use your, use your and I'm at Stevenson. Bro. He just gets to tour the country. Hey, how's that going for you? Did you did you call over to York to see if maybe pennies York, and dimes? Hey, <laughs> see if maybe pennies Franklin, and if Franklin and Marshall wanted to offer you a little bit more. Did you did you make that phone call? Hey, bro, man, I'm not gonna knock somebody who tries to take hey, advantage of. Goucher got into the three figures. I'm just. Saying. Oh yeah. Wow. When you say three figures, I mean they like sent like three shadowy like figures over to 10. your window. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Um, so Michigan only comes to College Park. There's no away game at Michigan. And I just wonder if, again, there were rumors that he was uncomfortable with the idea of having to face, because he likes Jawan Howard. Like, he's, there's not, that there were rumors that was part of the issue with him is that he didn't want to have to go up against him. I do wonder if it helps Hunter Dickinson at all that he wouldn't have to go back to Ann Arbor next season wouldn't have to walk into that building and deal with like the awkwardness and the buildup of the week and all of that and whether the fans were going to boo or cheer or things along well, those lines. Well, that's playing a role. I don't want a weak-minded player like that. Okay, thank yeah. you, Griffin. Nailed it. That's exactly. That's why he's going to go to Towson. You got it. Well, no, because they got Charles Thompson, right. so you can't do it that I way. committed to him. Right. Um, I just wonder. I just wonder if that's the type of thing that he says, all right, well, I'm not saying that's what makes the decision, but if it helps in any sort of way, if – he just doesn't want to go through that. Like he's just not interested in the awkwardness of a return trip to Ann Arbor, and now knows he doesn't have to worry about a return trip to Ann Arbor. Just you know, speaking out loud. That's all. Don't have an answer on that question. Could not possibly tell you, but I I wonder if that's good news today for Maryland as they're trying to land Hunter Dickinson that they can say to him, hey, by the way, you don't have to worry about it. Or maybe we find out he was lying the whole time, wanted to go back and kick Juwan Howard's ass, and now he's disappointed that he wouldn't get the opportunity to. I don't know. He would still get a chance to play him in College Park, however. So if that were the case, you'd think that they would be good there. Hey, if you have not signed up yet, still get over to PressBoxOnline.com slash contests. PressBox is giving you the chance to check out all of Maryland's minor league parks this season. Four tickets to each of the local minor league baseball teams. An easy pass Maryland on-the-go transponder preloaded with $25 and a $50 gas card from Royal Farms to help you get around. Must be 18 or older to enter. And the sweepstakes ends June 14th. Get over to PressBoxOnline.com slash contests right now to sign up. And by the way, no, Dave, we're not going to do a Dickinson meter. We're not going to do the huntometer. Oh, maybe we should have just made that. We should have monopolized. Like we should have all just the meters, all of the meters, right? Like all right, Lamar, Lamar meter. Now we do the Dickinson meter, and now we do right behind it is the Hunter Dickinson meter, uh, the Corbin Burns meter, something like that. Like I, I'm not, I'm not opposed to being the monopolizing the meter market moving forward. We could, you could call us the meter maids moving forward here. I don't know. We will see how that goes. But I don't think we're going to do a Dickinson meter. I don't think that'll happen. Tidbit is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. This one comes from uh, Sarah Langs on Twitter on Sunday. Slangs, they call her. Slangs on sports. Yes. Yeah. 
Uh, Shane McClanahan had 32 swings and misses on Sunday uh, on 88 pitches, which Damn. is yeah, by far the most in an outing of 90 or fewer. It's Baltimore's uh, own Shane McClanahan. That is that is correct. Um, since 2008, which is when the pitch uh, tracking era began, and uh, prior to that, the fewest pit, the fewest. So 90 or fewer pitches and most swings and misses was 25. Four guys did it. Do you want to try to name? It was when? 95? No, no, no. Uh, since 2008. Since, since 2008. 2008. Yes. There are four Four guys. different guys. Okay. Got it's 25. Not all. I, got 25 okay, got swings it. and misses. Got it. Shane McClanahan had 32, which is now the most. Since 2008, you say? Yes. Uh, Clayton Kershaw. Not Clayton Kershaw. The Max Scherzer. Not Max Scherzer. Get, get, get the one easy one. I mean, the one easy one. Those There's I just named Max three. Scherzer well, and those Clayton two, well, Kershaw. Those two, those two aren't on there. Justin uh, Verlander. No. Dog, I mean, when you say there's one easy well, one, yeah, and I named the know. three most prominent pitchers you, you missed of one. the era, I missed all of them. Felix Hernandez. No. All I can think is that douche for the Mets, DeGrom. There you go. You think DeGrom is more prominent than those other guys I are? I mean, maybe t- today. Stop. Hey. Jacob DeGrom. Just saying things. Uh, and then the other three, one of them is a current Oriole, one of them is a former said, Oriole. Said get the obvious one. Get, one is a current Oriole? Yeah. What? Yes. <laughs> I looked immediately at you like, I, who's our best Who would that be? Kyle Gibson? Kyle Gibson had 25 He doesn't strike misses. anybody out. <laughs> well, he got swings and misses, though, in the, at, at and 90 or fewer pitchers once. Uh, and then Lance Lynn and former Oriole. Uh, former Oriole Ubaldo Jimenez. No. Former Oriole Jake Arrieta. No. Former Oriole. Still active pitcher. Still an active pitcher. Eduardo Rodriguez no. was never actually an Oriole. Former Oriole still an active. Kevin Gosman. Kevin Gosman, yes. Also 25 swings and misses. Uh, Jimmy Butler had t- 56 points in the 15-point comeback against the Bucks. Uh, last night, most points in a 15-point comeback since Michael Jordan in Game Three of 1992. How about that? Tied for the most points in a uh, in a comeback. They both. They That's both the Cavs 56. series, right? Ninety-two. Uh, e- no, it was versus no, the Heat. Yeah. Versus the Heat. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, you thinking the Elo? Yeah. I think that was. was I know he scored like 50 some that game. Or yeah. Also tied for the fourth most points uh, scored in playoff history. I think you can name the three guys that have scored more. Actually, LeBron. Uh, no, not LeBron. Actually, oh, more. Yeah, I more. actually don't know the LeBron, answer to this question for what it's worth. Not a ton of, you know, d- not crazy high scoring. Yeah, though. about 40s. Uh, it was 89 for the ELO game, by the way. Um, more than 56. Okay, let's just, I mean, Michael, Michael Jordan. Uh, yes, Michael Jordan has the most. He has the playoff record, 63 points. Was that, that New York? That was in 86. Uh, oh, no, no it was that's in, not what I'm thinking yeah, of. It was in Boston. Boston, yeah. yeah. Um, what more active player has more? An active player has yeah. more. Mm. Damian Lillard, not Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard had fifty-five oh, in twenty twenty-one. Active player has more. James, I don't. Harden. I mean, I. That's a problem. Like, no, I'm gonna not, go. Not James Harden. I'm going through all the lists of the possibilities, and I'm not coming up with it. So I'll, I'll be just saying. I don't. It's not Steph Curry. It is not Steph Curry. It's not Kevin Durant. Not Kevin. Durant. Russell Westbrook. Not Russell Westbrook. It's not James Harden. It is not James Harden. It's not Damian Lillard. No. Oh, Kawhi. Not not Kawhi. Luka Doncic. Not Luka. Did it in the Did it in the playoff bubble? Oh, for F's sake! Jamal that Murray. Then it that doesn't, doesn't count. count. <laughs> it's not Jamal Murray. Oh. No, I mean not, how the playoff bubble is not a what thing. Do you mean it doesn't count. Oh, for F's sake! 
Uh, anybody could have done 57 in August. <laughs> it could be any. It August could be Sean Livingston. <laughs> Who the hell knows? Just, the, just say 57 in August. And didn't they let like 12 teams into the playoffs that year? No, it was still eight. It was, but they, you know, they let like what's was, that was the induction of the play in, I think. Yeah. Was that yeah? Was that yeah. the induction of the play? No, I think they let anybody who was still in competition for the playoffs go. Mm-hmm. I believe because then the Suns went like eight no and still missed the quote unquote. Yeah, playoffs. I remember the Wizards right. were like fifteen games stupid. under five hundred. They were in the bubble. So yeah. stupid. You, you're Wizards, giving me Wizards were right there they from the it. bubble. This is what you presented to us was the bubble. I well, I, I, I'll use my next up tip. Trey Young. No, it was uh. Do you want to give it to you? Sure. He's on the. Cavs now. Donovan, Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell. Mitchell. Okay. Donovan Mitchell at 57. Elgin sure. Baylor uh, had 61 in 1962. The bubble. The bubble. Like, it's Those a thing. Those are your thing. top three playoff point totals. God. Uh, and then since you mentioned it, August 8th, 2010, last time the Orioles did not strike out in a game. You want to try to name the lineup? In 2010? Yeah. Okay. This is a fun um, lineup. <laughs> Adam Jones? Uh, Adam Jones was batting fifth playing center field and did not strike out. Nick Markakis. Nick Markakis, batting third, playing right field. Brian Roberts. Brian Roberts, batting leadoff, playing second base. You want to put the numbers next to it? No, I don't care. I just need names. Um, (laughs) Boy. (laughs) Boy. Uh, what you, you said? What you, the, you said? It was 2010. 2010. So JJ Hardy wouldn't have been here yet. No, he was not. This is the shortstop is hilarious. <laughs> Freddie Bynum? No. Fahey? No. Oh, God. Davey Cruz? No, not Davey Cruz. That uh, was a different year. That was way before. Yeah, I mean, that. this guy played for like 12 teams. <laughs> like 12 teams. All right, hang on. Weeders. Uh, the catcher was not Weeders. Uh, I don't think there's any chance I'm going to get it then. Three, three letter last name. Oh, Jake Fox? Jake Fox was okay. catching and did not strike out. He went over four, but didn't strike he out. He hit like a thousand home runs in spring training, and everybody was like, oh, Jake Fox is a thing. <laughs> Wanking motion. Is this a Felix PA by chance? It is a Felix PA, uh, PA game. Left fielder Felix PA batting sixth right behind Adam Jones. <laughs> Adam Jones' protection right there. Mm. Nolan Rymold. Oh, no, we've got all the outfield. Well, Nolan Rymold. Maybe he was yeah, DHing. Not, not Nolan Rymold. There was there was another outfielder though that was DHing. There's another outfielder that was DHing. Another outfielder that was DHing. Luke Scott? Not Luke he Scott. He wasn't really an outfielder. Yeah. I mean I mean he played left field, I yeah. think. I don't know. He was not playing first base either. Luke Scott wasn't playing first right. base, so. The, do you want to give you the DH? Can you help me get there? Um well, he was on the Cardinals, right? He was on the Cardinals. He was. Oh no, he was on the Cubs before the Orioles. He, if he finished his career with the Cardinals, that's why. Played two seasons or no? What, what was this? I, I don't. I don't think. I don't think I'm coming up with Corey Patterson. It. Oh, Corey Patterson was a designated hitter batting. Second. You know, it's funny. I was thinking of Jay Payton, but I thought he was before that. Corey Patterson's a good one. All right, first uh, baseman. First should, you should baseman. be able to get. I should be able to get. So you he was say. With the, I think he went to the Rockies after the Orioles. The Rockies. Uh, Garrett Atkins? Not Garrett Atkins. Oh, he was the other way around. He came from the Rockies to the Orioles. Uh, Ty Wigginton? Ty Wigginton. Ty was Wigginton. All-star. Was an all-star as a Baltimore Oriole. First base, batting fourth. Did not strike out in this game. Uh, I need a shortstop. You need a shortstop and a third and baseman. A third baseman. Third baseman's going to be tough. Third 
basement was going to be tough. Like, these were all easy. <laughs> was this the year that Tejada came back? No, this was not the year Tejada came back. This guy only played three years in Major League Baseball. Oh, good. Two of them were with the Orioles. Oh, good. <laughs> three years in Major League Baseball, two of them were with the Orioles. All right, I'll, I don't, I don't Josh know. Bell. Oh, Josh Bell. Okay. Yes. All right. Josh Bell was in a significant trade. What trade was Josh Bell in? Um, it was He played with Arizona. was his final season. Who did we trade to Arizona? I thought it might have been in the, a trade with the Dodgers for some reason. Because it could have been one way or the other. Josh Bell. Oh, Juan Soto. Was it? What? No. Padres land. No, oh, no that, you're thinking of yeah. a there's different a Josh current, Bell. Yeah, yes, you're thinking of a different Josh Bell. He was on July, on July 30th. He was traded to the Baltimore Orioles with Steve Johnson mm. in exchange for George Sherrill, who had been an all-star with the Orioles. And so I was correct about that. And Steve Johnson's a buddy of mine, so... <laughs> It's not really. Like Steve Johnson actually ended up being a helpful piece on the 2012 Orioles team that made the playoffs. So it uh, worked out, but probably not what you thought you were getting. They, Josh Bell was the prize of the George Sherrill trade and didn't work out that way. The shortstop was uh, he longest tenure was with the tenure was with the Dodgers. He played four seasons. Yes, four, five seasons, four and a half seasons with the Dodgers. He was an All Star in 2005, and then of course came to the Orioles in 2009. Played here for three years. Uh, Starts with a C, his first name. Oh, is Cesar is Torres. Cesar is Torres was the shortstop in this game, and he did not strike out. Jeremy Man. Guthrie was on the mound, and Mark Burley was throwing for the White Sox. Damn, who did not record a strikeout. All right, that one was yeah. that one was good. That one was good. Much better than the bubble, dude. There's it's a story playoff history. Top three. He's you know what the worst three the, the worst part about the bubble uh, of if the bubble had just happened at a normal time of the year. We we would almost still be able to give it. It happened during football season. No one gave yeah, a rat. Even yeah. even it within the pandemic when we well, needed this something was before the the f- football season started. So that's why you should no. Remember we this. never. We just didn't bother to. We didn't bother to start caring. We never bothered to start caring because by the time they finally got around to it, we were on to other things. Yeah. Baseball had started. Like we were just never. We never cared about what was going on inside the bubble, except for me watching the Phoenix Suns and feeling some amount of hope that they weren't going to be garbage. That was the only feeling that I had. All right, very good. Uh, Tubular is brought to you by A.J. Michaels, expert and award-winning. A.J. Michaels heating, A.C., plumbing, and home performance will improve your home's energy efficiency and comfort levels. A.C. season is coming up fast. New New rebates and discounts are available. More at ajmichaels.com. Here's what's coming up tonight, totally tubular-wise. The Orioles do indeed continue their series with the Red Sox. Another 6-30 game. Kyle Bradish on the mound against Corey Kluber on Masson. Maryland baseball, as we mentioned, is at UMBC at 6 o'clock. If you you can't get there, you could watch it at AmericaEast.tv. Masson 2, Nationals, Mets at 7, MLB Network, Yankees, Twins at 7.30, ESPN Plus for Cardinals, Giants at 9.45, and it'll be joined in progress on MLB Network as well. As we mentioned, three teams the chance to close out in the NBA tonight on TNT. The Celtics host the Hawks, Game 5 at 7.30. The Suns host the Clippers, Game 5 at 10. NBA TV Nuggets hosting the Timberwolves, that Game 5 is at 9. ESPN Islanders Hurricanes, Game 5 at 7. Kings Oilers, Game 5 at 9.30. TBS Wild Stars, Game 5 at 8. USA Network for Leicester against Leeds United at 3. And uh, NXT Spring Breakin' at 8. Oh, you know what? I wanted to give you uh, the uh, sports-related trivia from John Proctor Trivia last night. Um, So these were... 
did you get the politics question right? There really weren't any, and oh, I was quite okay. disappointed by that. That's good, I guess. Okay. Uh, it was not my. It was not a night for me. It was like a lot of science questions, and I don't uh, do well with that. That is that is a struggle. We finished in third last night because we took a swing on the final. We didn't need to take a swing on. Uh, uh, the final was name the only. While multiple solo artists have done it, name the only group musical group to have ever won multiple album of the year Grammy awards. One Direction. Okay. They've never won one for the record. Okay. I was, going, yeah. I was going on the same route of sales. Yeah. I was just in the Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> They've also never won one. <laughs> so, um, yeah. boy, it is really it, disturbing it, to the me. Beatles. That's what, the Beatles. The Beatles would be a good. That would be a far better guess. They that's that's the one I initially. They, they only they yeah. only won one. Sergeant Pepper's. I uh, guessed Steely Dan, and the reason I guessed that is because famously they won the year that Eminem was supposed to win for the Marshall Mathers LP. Um, and it was quite controversial. Steely Dan won for some album that no one has ever heard of. So I was like, well, boy, there's a real chance like that they won another one at some point. Like, they won one that they never should have won. Like, There's a real chance they won another one at some point, so that was my guess. But I tried to talk the guys out of it afterwards. I was like, but there's no way the only group ever that won is Steely Dan. So we were between Steely Dan, Fleetwood Mac, and U2, and the answer was U2. U2. U2 was the answer, and we got that one wrong. Not in sync. Um, no, in sync never won a. You clearly Boys have no men. idea who wins Grammy awards. No, I don't. You don't know who wins. <laughs> Mac Grammy Lamar awards. won a Grammy. Sadly, yes, he won Best Hip Hop the same year that Kendrick Lamar's uh, uh, "Good Kid, Mad City" came out, and that, as you would imagine, went over really well. Went over really, really well when that was the case. Um, do you know uh, who was the huge underdog that beat Mike Tyson in Tokyo? Spinks or Douglas? Which one? Mm. Douglas. Douglas. I'm yes, it was Douglas. indeed Buster Douglas is the exact answer. Who won last year's Kentucky Derby? Um, A horse. Can I have another? <laughs> California Dreaming. That neither one of them is even named Secretariat. Horse. You somehow took I'll Have Another <laughs> oh, and, and <laughs> California Chrome and somehow redid those. Rich Strike. Oh, Rich, Rich right. That was my Strike next guess. Yeah, was the one. I, um, like I heard that. Yeah. What uh, golfer known more for their off the course antics won the 1991 PGA Championship? Um, Happy Gilmore. Yes, Happy Gilmore is correct. You got <laughs> it. When you're right, you're right. Uh, Shooter McKinnon. Charles having fun. <laughs> um, I'll go with. Uh, Jack Nicholson? No. I don't know. Jack Nicholson, when he wasn't busy playing Batman, came over. Right. That one, you know, Jack, star of stage and screen, Jack Nicholson, who's also known for his antics off the course, won the 1991 PGA Championship. When you're right, you're right. I don't know what else to say. We'll just move I on. I wasn't born. I, you, I didn't do you, even know he was a golfer. He's definitely not a golfer. Okay. He, he botched Jack Nicholas, who's very much a golfer. Whereas Jack Nicholson is an actor. That's what I said, Jack Nicholas. No, you didn't. Fine, Arnold, Arnold Palmer. Yeah, so also is very much known for his off-the-course antics. Arnold Palmer was always stirring up S, man. Arnold Palmer was going out. He was actually in three different gangs, Arnold Palmer. It was very surprising. <laughs> Who's the one who would wear like the gator the skin hat and had like antics. the beach blonde hair? The beach? He was bleach he was, blonde hair and gator yeah. skin hat? I'm not really he always sure. wore... You thinking golfer? of Greg Norman? I think That's so. That's I think you're thinking. Yeah. There's one golfer really known for off the course antics. That would be John Daly. Oh, okay. who won the 1991 antics. PGA Championship. I mean, all right. Anyway, 
Uh, who won the? Hang on a second. Let me make sure I have the correct year right. Who won the? Yeah, because that'll that's gonna help us. Yeah. <laughs> these are all about. Huge, I was thinking these are about, all about Norman huge and Daly at the same time. These I are all the, the category was about underdogs. Uh, who won the 2016 Premier League, which would have paid out at something like five thousand to one if you had bet was it. Was that Leicester? That was Leicester. I did not yeah. know that one. Thankfully, John Proctor knew that one because I knew all the other ones in the category, but I didn't know that one. Uh, and then this year, on the cover of NBA 2K23, there were multiple covers. Four different basketball players who course, graced the covers of, of NBA 2K23. Can you name, how many of the four can you name? Donovan Mitchell. 0 for 1. I haven't bought a 2K since, like, 2018, so I should know the answer. Luca, 0 for 2. Mm. <laughs> These are underdogs. It was twenty three, so Michael this Jordan is a was category. on a cover. Different category. On one of the covers, Michael Jordan was on one Good of the guess. covers. Twenty three. Kobe then. O for three for you. Jeez. Devin Booker. Devin Booker was on a cover. Could have really used Charles last night. LeBron. O for four for you. <laughs> Let me get another. <laughs> Luca. One I, or two for three. Yeah, he was probably last year or something like that. By the way, our our guesses were what Luca was one of our guesses. I said Luca too, yeah. I think our guesses did were Did you say Donovan I, Mitchell? We we it, by the I way, did. we went over four. Our guesses were Luca, Morant, mm. Jokic, mm. and Embiid, I think Steph. might have been it. Steph was on a cover. No. Oh, they put over, over I think five. they put Rui Hachimura on an Asian version. No. No? Well, they, I mean, they did. It wasn't an answer. Okay. No. What do we have so far? Because they do do Jordan that. Like they you got Jordan and Devin Booker. Random. De- Durant. Over six. I'm trying oh to think gosh. of these playoffs right now. Um, Jason Tatum. I'll let you get to 10. Over seven. <laughs> mm. Giannis ever been on one? I don't know, but he wasn't on last yeah, year. Last year. <laughs> it's got to be players at the same s- scale. As De- Devin Booker, he's not good, but Anthony Davis, zero for eight. Anthony, Anthony Edwards, zero for nine. Mm. Oh, you know, you didn't guess that. Yeah, sorry, you're still zero for eight. Jimmy Butler, zero for nine. Damn, Jimmy, what? Brandon Ingram. That's what? random as hell. It's definitely not Brandon Ingram. Mm, Last one, Devin Booker and Michael Jordan. Last one, have to is an active player. Lamelo Ball. I'm not telling I, you I anything. Guess, you gotta I was guess. guess. Lamelo. Lamelo. O for ten. <laughs> it was a trick. There's only two. Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi. Oh, okay. uh, <laughs> it was a trick. We were pretty. Nobody, nobody in the bar got one. Everyone went. Oh, everyone went o for four. No one in the bar came away with one correct answer in Dang. that category. It Dang. was a bloodbath. It was a blood. Uh, a similar thing happened when we got a question a couple weeks ago. It was glad I got the two mails. What were? Yeah, not bad. What were the three most Googled searches for all of the year 2022? Three items that were the most searched items. Gritty. Like like that like the mascot gritty. No, like just like the, the term gritty. Yeah. No. Uh, terms. Yeah, search terms. I don't know. I, I never use Google. I don't need it. So. Maybe think about like what Will people. Smith. Oh, yeah. That's, that's a good. great. That was a great yeah. one. I don't think it was one of our guesses, but it's a great one. Not correct. Damn, really? Yeah. Something about COVID. COVID would have been a reasonable one. I think COVID yeah. might have been on our list. It was not correct. 
three most searched things. See, three mer- most searched phrases. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Man, we were going to wrap up the show earlier today, and Lamar, then I got into this. Yeah, Lamar Jackson. In the world, no. Oh, in the world. In the world. Yeah, I mean, oh, still, the still. World Cup? You would have thought. That Cutter, was absolutely yeah, on our list. Where is no. Cutter? No. 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 What else happened last year? Hmm. Queen Elizabeth. That would have been. I believe that was one of ours as well. Also not the case. Oh. We also thought Ukraine would have been a pretty good, uh, pretty good one, right? Or Russia, one, yeah. or the war would have been a good one. Not on the list. We Florida thought, man. Florida man is always a good one. We we remember uh. there was an election last year. We discussed that and said maybe just election would be a term. No, the three most most go- and it's the dumbest question in trivia history. The three most googled searches last year were Google. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It was the dumbest question that has ever been asked in the history of, tr- of trivia and should be burned. Should have used that the, for a tidbit. The person that came up should have been fired from their job immediately for that being a question that was asked. Better question, yeah, like what are the three most used apps on Google? Yeah, something like, like that. Yeah. Whatever it is. That it w- I was so mad about it. I don't have the words. We all, it was a chorus. Did anyone? No, no one got any of them, and it was bar, a chorus like, of booze. Because it's one of those. I yeah. mean, a chorus. One of those questions of makes booze. you think back uh, to things you either wanted to think about or not want to think about last year. Oh, then we find out the answer. So... It's like, what a letdown! Like, yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, the last week when I wasn't able to go because I had uh, a lacrosse game, uh, one of the questions, I, I, they were really disappointed. They lost because the two things I definitely would have got were who are the winners of the last two Masters, mm. like. John Rahm and Scotty Scheffler, I would have gotten those easily. And then there was a category that was all for me, which is match this person's title, match this person to their title in the state of Maryland. There's no chance you know any of these. I'll just run it. Aruna Miller. Secretary of the Treasury. Secretary of the Treasury. Griffin knows who runs the Department of Transportation. He's he's wrong. It's it's not the correct answer. Want to guess? No. Aruna Miller no. is currently the lieutenant governor of the state of Maryland. Probably something you should know. You knew that? All that I, road, of course I know that. Good job. Good job. Good job. How about uh, Brooke Learman? What is Brooke Learman's job in the state of Maryland? Um, Secretary of the Treasury? Mm. Treasure, just Treasurer. Attorney just general. just Treasurer. Okay. No. Attorney General? No. Brooke Learman is the comptroller of the state of Maryland. Now, in fairness, I only know that because I've got a bit of a personal friendship with Brooke Learman. Right. She was a... Uh, very involved in the Jordan McNair Safe and Fair Play Act. She came on the show a few times, oh, and we ended up talking a bit. That's really the only reason why I know that. So th- that one would have been tougher. Anthony Brown, uh, former third, lieut- third string quarterback. Former, uh, that's uh, right. For the Ravens. Former <laughs> lieutenant governor of the state of Maryland. Former congressional representative. Yeah. So now the attorney general. Yes. Assistant to the comptroller. He is the attorney general. Well done. Oh. Anthony Brown is no, the attorney general of the state of Maryland. Right. Well Back done. Up quarterback for the and, uh, Yeah, correct. Both. He does both at the same time, which is what makes him so remarkable. And Derek Davis. Mm. To be fair, I actually didn't know this, but it was uh, matching. So I, by, because I knew the other three, I was able to come up with this one. Well, that's... The mayor Davis. has a different name than that. Yes, definitely <laughs> a different name. And these are all state jobs again yeah. <laughs> that we were talking about. He is Derek the Davis. Okay. Oh no, state public liaison. I'm glad you didn't give it up. He is the treasurer yes. of the state of Maryland. Two for four. Well done. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Not bad. All right. I don't know why I did it's that. Better than that the sports questions. That was fun. <laughs> Tubular. 
I did tubular. You, uh, G- uh, James Corden's yeah. continuing his, uh, you know, his last run. Uh, Billy Eilish and Natalie Portman will be on Corden. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel's gonna have John Mulaney. John Mulaney has a uh, new a Netflix, comedy, yes, Netflix right? special. Yeah, Baby J. That. Yeah. Uh, that is out today. And Jude Law's gonna be on Fallon because he's Captain Hook in the Peter Pan movie that comes out on Disney Plus this There's Friday. No chance it's good, is there? I, it looks. I don't know. It's called. It's called Peter and Wendy, and uh, it might be it's good. not gonna be good. As good Who's as Wendy. Good. What do you mean? Who's Wendy? I haven't seen Peter Pan forever. Hold Wendy's like the girl. girl. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking Wendy with the red hair. Oh. And oh God. And uh, and uh, Lopez versus Lopez time slot premiere eight thirty on NBC. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna move from Friday night. I'll, I'll probably I'll probably miss that one to now Tuesday night. Don't think I'm gonna check that. Out. Switch over to NBC. All right. Thanks today to Matt Shaw from Maryland Baseball. Thanks also to Steve Eigenbrot from Towson. Patrick Stevens. We'll get all of it up in the greatest hits section of the. Oh my God, it's so good. Tabic LenClarkRadio.com. Anything? Uh, Jonathan Lamont. Oh yeah, future Terp, uh, St. Francis prospect John Lamont is going to join us uh, tomorrow. He's playing in the Capital Classic this weekend down in D.C. along with Jamie Kaiser and I think Braden Pierce is yeah, playing Braden in that Pierce. as well. Um, I don't think, however, that Deshaun Harris Smith is, is playing. Not, in that. At least I didn't see him on that. Um, but yeah, we'll talk to him about that and stuff and things. Okay, stuff and things. We got to lock some things up. We gotta. We got to step up our act. All right. Um, thanks today to everybody at Pressbox, all of our great sponsors and partners. AJ Michaels, Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, Costas Inn, Hartford Community College, Birdland Sports, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Thanks to Charles at charles.ap28. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Tuesday evening. Go Birds. Go Suns. Duke sucks.